Everybody and welcome to another installment of the Bat Around here on a beautiful Saturday, May 1st, 2021. A little windy and chilly out, but not too bad. Going to be in the 80s tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. Hey, man, can you turn me up just a smidge? No problem. Good to go. Thank you. Oh, that's much better. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm Paul Valley. I'm your host today. I'm joined, as always, by my incomparable co-host and new producer, Zach Goodman. Zach, how are you this morning? Pretty good. Yeah, you're right. It's windy. Um, not loving that, but it's starting to feel a little bit like summer, so that's always nice. And, uh, you know, the Orioles have played some great baseball this week, and it's, it's you know, it's been a good week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the wind has calmed down from yesterday. Yesterday was crazy windy today, not so bad getting up. Just want to remind you that we are coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, and the Better Round is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist, Zach. Good game from the Orioles last night. Cesar Valdez gave us a little bit of a heart attack uh, there in the in the ninth inning, but the Orioles were able to pull it out, winning that game three to two. Um, Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes uh, went as my mic falls off the desk. They went. You got to turn me up a little bit. I don't know what's going on here. I feel like I keep getting sound pretty good. Down. Sound pretty good to me. Maybe maybe it's just my headphones. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes go back to back there in the third inning. Uh, they add another run late on as uh, Chancisco scores and a Cedric Mullins. Uh, was it a a base? No, a ground out. It was a ground out to to right yep. field. They probably should have scored more in the inning. They had runners on second and third with nobody out to start the inning. Another inning they had a runner on third base, I believe, with nobody out and only and didn't score. Um, but Orioles get the win three to two. The story of the game, story of the year. Uh, for the Orioles, other than Trey Mancini, is John Means pitched into the se- pitched seven innings uh, for the second time in the last three starts, third time overall, four times out of his six starts this year. John Means has pitched into the seventh inning. ERA went up to one point seven zero after allowing terrible ERA. Oh man, to after allowing just two earned runs on two solo home runs uh, in seven innings, and John Means. Uh, we're not just talking about staff ace at this point. This guy is turning into an ace all around. Yeah, he's a top five pitcher in baseball <clears throat> right now, stats-wise. He absolutely is. And if the Orioles were a better, and he still could, if the Orioles were a better team, you could be hearing some serious Cy Young buzz. Look, right. let's, let's curb our enthusiasm here a little bit. we we, we got to remember it's a popularity contest for these is. awards. Well, uh, it is, unless you're Max Scherzer, sure, or Jacob. Yeah. Generally speaking, generally speaking, the individual awards, aside from Gold Gloves, they really aren't popularity contests. The Cy, I, the Cy Young, that's a legitimate pitcher. It also matters how, again, how much your team wins. I mean, that I, I think that's a big part of it. The Orioles and, and John Means, you know, he's not going to have a lot of wins. He's going to have some losses on his record. Where a guy who, you know, like Shane Bieber or someone else in the AOs are very good pitcher, is not going to have as many losses on their record because they don't lose as many games as the Orioles. So I think that also kind of plays a part in it a little bit. Well, you hope that the voters aren't taking wins and losses into account. You look at, at it's Felix, a team stat. Team at, stat. At Felix Hernandez when he won his side. 
Cy Young Award. I believe that was back in, was it 2010? I want to say 2010 or 11. Yeah, yeah th- it was 2010. He only had 13 wins, but he was he had a 213 ERA. Clearly the best pitcher in baseball. Right. Zach Greinke, when he won a Cy Young in Kansas City, clearly the best pitcher in baseball. And it, it wasn't The Royals weren't a good baseball team, if I remember correctly, when he won. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to be pitching on a good team. It helps. I mean, look at Jacob deGrom. His teams weren't anything of note when he won his two. He's right. on, he, he's he's barreling toward that dude can't get any run support. He he's amazing. I mean, th- this is a guy who is I I think he's going to go down as one of the better pitchers of our generation when we look back at him. Jake, what Jacob Degrom is doing right now is unprecedented. It's it's amazing. I mean, he is at the top of his game, and he is you know he's hitting the ball too. I mean, this is another thing. He is you know we talk about pitchers hitting all the time. Jacob Degrom's hitting the ball. He's pitching to a, somewhere like a point three one ERA, something yeah. crazy like that. This guy is one of the best pitchers we'll see right now. Enjoy it while it happens because this is this is something else to see. It really well, is. And and you don't want to say that Jacob Degrom came out of nowhere, right? Because he's no, he's, no. he's always been good, but the last three to four years, he's taken his dominance to another level. He he was he was always an ace. But where he is now, he's the best pitcher in baseball. Nobody else is close. Right. There was always kind of an argument, you know, is Noah Syndergaard the better pitcher? Is Jacob DeGrom right. the better? And now we know, clearly, who the best. And Syndergaard's not on the field most of the time either. He's always injured. So well, DeGrom- now we know who the guy is. DeGrom is head, head and shoulders above literally everybody else. Yes. He, he yep. is absolutely filthy, absolutely dominant. Um, he's reaching... And I know this is a Baltimore-based baseball show, so I don't know why we're spending so much time on people out, but it's worthy of discussion. Um, he's reaching Pedro Martinez levels. Yeah. And Pedro Martinez, you look back in, 19, uh, in 2000, I saw somebody post the ERA leaders for 2000. It was Pedro Martinez at like 190. Wow. Then yeah. the next, best, next two best ERAs, Roger Clemens, 370, Mike Mussina, 379. He he was a full two runs better than the next than the next guy. Yeah, I mean to pitch under a, a two ERA, no matter who you are, as a starter in in this game with all the home runs we see now and all the great hitters in this league, it's amazing. I mean, Jacob Degrom, what he's doing right now, it's just like I said, enjoy it while it's happening because this is something we won't see for a while. This is dominance at its finest. I mean, this is everything we could ever want from a starting pitcher in Degrom. But you know, we we got on the topic because of John Means, and he's been fantastic too. John Means is finally kind of using his pitch repertoire to what he needs to do. You know, he, he's he's mixing the fastball change. His, his curveball's gotten really good. John Means has been you know nearly as dominant as any pitcher in baseball right now. Absolutely, and Ben McDonald on the broadcast. He said it during the broadcast, and then he said it on. Um, O's extra uh, after the game to Melanie Newman that there's nobody in baseball pitching better than John Means. I want to pump the brakes on that a little yeah, bit because, I mean, like we just said, DeGrom, uh, DeGrom uh, Corbin Burns out there in Milwaukee, yes. mm-hmm. he still hasn't walked a batter. He did give up four earned runs in his last start, but that's going to happen. But uh, John Means, he's not pitching worse than anybody else. Maybe yeah. maybe in the American League he's pitching better than anyone else. I'm not sure about National League. Like you said, Burns and DeGrom are have been lights out. Yeah, but but look, John Means, if he continues this, and, and look, this is a 10-start stretch now dating back to last September where he is 5-1 and one with a 1-6-2 ERA. And I, uh, what is it, 68 strikeouts? It's a lot. 68 strikeouts in those 10 starts, which isn't a ton when you look at these other big-time strikeout pitchers like a DeGrom. But John Means has never been right. a for strikeout him, for guy. For him, it's a lot. I mean, th- to strike out, he struck out nine three times 
in that stretch. He struck out 12 once in that stretch. He's getting his punch outs. Right. And, and that changeup is absolutely filthy. So John Means, he was the story of the game last night. One of the two, top two stories of the Orioles' season this year. Uh, look, uh, Valdez, a little bit shaky in that ninth inning yesterday. He was shaky in the ninth inning against the Yankees two days ago. They ended up pulling out that win on a Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins has a game-winning RBI in back-to-back games. He I, does. I just realized. He does. Um, he's having a hell of a year. Oh my uh, God. He's, ha- he's having an outstanding season. And Valdez, do you still trust him in the ninth inning in that closer role? Because it, it seems like to start the year, opposing hitters were having a hard time laying off that changeup. And now they're taking it because more often than not, it's dropping out of the bottom of that strike zone. Right. I, I, I have to say, I mean, I, I've never been the biggest Valdez guy in the world, but right now what I've, what I've seen from him lately, you know, against the Yankees, against the A's, they're kind of sitting on the changeup. The, these guys know exactly what's coming, and he's not throwing a lot of strikes like you mentioned. It, you know, everything's kind of out in the way, um, especially to right-handed hitters. He's been very, you know, I would, his control's gotten away from him a bit. So... I don't know. He he doesn't make anything easy. You know, lately with Valdez, it seems like he'll put two guys on. He might get the save like he did last night, but it's never easy for Valdez lately. And I, I don't know if you can keep him there. I mean, there there's a plenty uh, there's plenty of guys in the Orioles bullpen that can be that closer role. I mean, you look at Paul Fry, who's pitched very well this year. Tanner Scott, I'm not sure Brandon Hyde is too keen on putting him there, but Brandon, you know, he's a he's a great option if you want to put a lefty in there. I mean, there's other options. It, it, Valdez doesn't have to be the guy. Maybe give him a few eighth inning, seventh inning out, you know, outings that maybe you can feel a little bit more confident in, um, and he can he can get back to being what he is. But right now, the hitters are sitting on the changeup and they're hitting it hard. It's not even that. It's not really even that. It, he's not throwing it for a strike. Right. It, it's not strikes either. Yeah. You, you know. Exactly. Uh, and look, DJ LeMayhew's a good hitter. Uh, yes. Gio Urshela is a good hitter. Uh, who who had the single to start the inning yesterday? Uh, was it Mark Canna? I don't think it was Mark Canna. No, I, no, no. Mark Canna uh, struck out the, to, okay. for the for the second out of the inning. But look, it's not like he's facing scrubs. Right. So I mean, Oakland A's are a good lineup, no doubt, no <clears throat> doubt. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I'm gonna look this up a real minute while I. Uh, it might have been Matt Chapman. I, I don't remember exactly who it was, but he faced a, a good part of the order when he came up there in the ninth. Yeah, it's not. It's not like he was facing. You know, let's, let's see. It was a little Sean Murphy. Okay. Oh, Sean so, Murphy. Yes. So Matt, then yeah. Matt Chapman had a, had a single after that. Right. Um, and then he ended up getting out of the inning. But it, it, you got to throw it for strikes, and and that's the other thing. Your changeup. Look, it's hard at any level if you're used to seeing 95 to 100, uh, seeing something that's 30 miles an hour slower, 20, 30 miles an hour slow. It's it's hard to sit back on that. But if you know that that's the only pitch he's throwing. Right, there's no change of speeds at all. Right, right, and look, the the pitch may move different for, uh, from time to time, but if it's coming in at the same speed every time, you can sit back and you, especially that slow, you can locate it better. You have a little bit more time to make that decision whether to pull the trigger or not. Um, look, they said in the in spring training, we don't have a designated closer. We don't have somebody designated for that role. So far, it's been Cesar Valdez. Last year, to start the year it was Cole Salser. Here's my thing. Tanner Scott, look, he's had some trouble recently locating his fastball. He seems to have figured it out his la- his last two outings. Yep. Um, but if you don't have him in that ninth inning role because you don't trust that he can consistently throw strikes, well, Valdez isn't consistently throwing strikes either. Now, look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, he has he, sure. he has 
five saves this year, or six saves. But two this blown year. as well. But two blown saves, but that's going to happen. Sure. You know, that's that's sure. going to happen. Um, you don't want him blowing two out of every eight saves. That's a 25% blown save rate. That's that's not great. But y- you can live with him on the edge. I, I mentioned to you George Sherrill before mm-hmm. the show started. You've You said you've... You, Zach's a young guy. Everybody. Look, I mean, I, I've heard of George Sherrill. I know, I know about George Sherrill. I, I didn't watch George Sherrill. He, he was one of the pitchers that came over in that Eric Bedard for Adam Jones trade. He mm-hmm. was the closer the Orioles got. was an all-star closer. But, he, like, people um, before my time in the 60s and 70s and early 80s, they remember Don Stanhouse. Um, you come in... More 70s for Stanhouse, not 60s. But come in load the bases, and then get out of the inning. That's what George Sherrill did. That's what Cesar Valdez basically did last night. It's not going to be smooth most of the time, but if he's getting the job done, he's getting the job done. But at some point, you want a little bit more electricity. Yeah, the same year Jim Johnson had 50-some saves. I want to say 2012. It was the same thing. You know, he put a bunch of guys on. He would make you really nervous, just like Valdez does. It, you know, same kind of deal. Jim Johnson, 2012, he was outstanding. 2013, he had 50 saves again. So but, he had, but, yeah. but, but he had nine blown saves. And people mm-hmm. don't talk about nine blown saves. And yeah. the Orioles missed the playoffs by, I think, four games. That that year, yeah, so, and, and Valdez can't have nine blown saves. If he has nine blown saves, then he has to be. But can it, he? Can't uh, he? It's it's a rebuilding ball club. Can't he? Yeah, but I I think you throw a guy out there in the ninth inning, you've got to get the job done. That's your job. You know, Valdez he hasn't pitched. I don't think in any other inning except the ninth yet, um, unless it was an extra inning where he came in. But Valdez is is a good pitcher. You know, he is. He mm-hmm. he. he you know, he he's has, certainly getting the job done. He is, and he's mm-hmm. getting the saves. Like you said, twenty five percent blown save rate. He he has a great changeup, but the problem is to me that he can't change speeds, and he he never has hitters off balance because they know exactly what's coming every time. If you're Matt Chapman standing up there, one of the better hitters in the league, and you're going, okay, I'm going to sit back here on an 85 mile an hour changeup that's probably not going to hit the zone the first two times he well, throws it. That's just fastball. 85 uh, is fastball. You look right, at 76 so, to 78. Yeah, I mean he, for the changeup. Right, so it's a little, just a little bit slower, but you, you just know that you can sit back on this pitch and wait until it finds the zone because he hasn't been throwing a ton of strikes. So that's yeah, that's the problem for me. It's crazy, man, because I remember watching Zach Britton pitch, and Zach Britton, by all and for all intents and purposes, arguably the greatest reliever, definitely the greatest closer in Orioles history. Yeah, I don't think there's a question about it. Had the greatest historical season in the history of Major League Baseball for a reliever. But I often sat there and wondered, why do these guys even go up there and swing? Because most of the time, if you take that pitch, his sinker is dropping out of the zone. Right, right down. Yeah. But but he threw it 97, 98 miles an hour. So you you can't take that chance because it looks like a fastball. Uh, with Valdez, it's not the same. It, you can watch that pitch come in, and it's it's like you're moving in slow motion. You can right. watch it drop out of the strike zone. But but look, he's getting the job done right now. He has six saves, which leads the American League. He's got a, a, a sparkling ERA. I still think it's sub two. So, look, he's getting the job done. It might not be pretty every time, but he is getting the job done. So the Orioles, they, they win the first game out in Oakland on a six-game West Coast trip. Uh, they've won four out of their last six. Doesn't feel like it because the bats still haven't gotten going, but they have won four out of six. They split a four-game series with the Yankees. They won game one, four to two. One game, uh, one game one, four to two. One game four, four to three. Mullins hit two homers in game in, in game one. Mancini had the game-tying home run in game four, and Hayes with the go-ahead, uh, <coughs> the go-ahead at the time double in game two. Uh, Mullins had the walk-off sack fly um, in in tenth. Mullins go-ahead double in game four. Not game two. I don't know why I put that in my notes. And then Mullins with the uh, walk-off sack fly in the 10th inning. Uh, Orioles, again, winners of four of the last six. But the Bats, man, they're still inconsistent. 
it seems like they only hit once a week. It seems like they really only get the bats going once a week. Stewart is really struggling. Yeah, he, he is really Re- struggling. He's This is a guy who you accept a lower batting average because he gets on base at a high clip. Hasn't been getting on base a ton either. That's, but, but that's been not. a problem. Yeah. Right. Like I, I was looking at his numbers last night before his last at bat, and I'm going to go back and update this. His batting average is down to 179, and his on-base percentage is is down to it's below two two ninety I believe it's down oh it's down to two ninety two it's what are we doing the guy can't hit a fastball right he, he like behind it every time every time and and here's why let me tell you why he doesn't know how to shorten his swing yeah every swing is a home run uppercut every swing and he's he it's like he and that's why he's blasting curveballs when they throw him a curveball down in the zone DJ Stewart unloads on it, hits a massive shot. Every time, I, I think probably most of the home runs he's hit this year, the past years, it's been off curveballs. That's what he sits on. Yeah, and the fact, you sit there and you're like, oh my God, all you have to do is throw him a 95 mile an hour fastball and you're going to get him. It's it, Brandon Hyde said he just needs to know what it feels like to catch a fastball out in front. But he's behind, it's like he loads up. You can You can physically see him load up and by the time he's done loading up, the ball's by him. Right. And he also has a, ton, a lot of trouble hitting at the top of the zone. You know, everything he hits is down, and that's why he, he does curveballs and, and change-ups so well. And you see DJ Stewart get a lot of his hits because his swing is so long. And when guys have a swing that's that long, you can't get your hands, you know, around enough that you can hit a high fastball going 95-97. You just can't do it. You just can't get your hands there in time. Right. And right. that's what the problem is for him right now. Well, And then you look over at second base, and that is still... A black hole. Yeah. Rio looked better last night playing third base. He looked better in the batter's box, but his batting average is still just 154. Um, Ramon Urias, same. Uh, and then you look at Pat Vileka's batting average. He had a hit last night, and his batting average went up to .087. Somebody's got to start hitting at, yeah, at mean, that I, position. I have to imagine Pat is not here too much longer. He looks like the Freddie Galvis replacement. I think McKenna probably gets called back when you know Pat Vileka goes down, but... Man, he has not looked very good at the plate. He had a few. I don't fly think. Balls I, don't, I don't think McKenna can come back up for for, a few for more ten days. days. It's, yeah. So it's probably going to be a little bit. Yeah. But they need Galvis back. They really I think need. Th- Galvis I think he's going to play today. I, I expect I him so. to, to play today. Uh, but look, Mancini has begun to emerge. He had himself a nice week at over three hundred with close to a three eighty on base percentage. Ryan Mountcastle quietly has a five game hitting streak, six for twenty two, batting two seventy two, and an eight game on base streak uh, after his two hit game last night. Starting rotation, I know we got to get Stan here. They, they've begun to falter a little bit. Uh, look, Jorge Lopez, Dean Kramer, they can't get out of the fourth inning. Yeah. Uh, or out of the fifth inning, that, that is to say. Uh, Zimmerman wasn't great against the Yankees in his most recent start, but that happens, especially to a young pitcher facing that sure. lineup. Sure. They, they can be patient at times. They can drive the ball out of the ballpark. I feel, I feel like they've hit 20 home runs their last four games. Uh, so the Yankees are a tough lineup for a young pitcher in his first season to face. Um, but look... Harvey has been better than advertised. Means has been spectacular. Bullpen has been spectacular. They're fifth in all of baseball. Uh, three of the top five bullpens in all of baseball reside in the American League East. Yankees one, Blue Jays two, Orioles five. And four of the top seven is Boston sits at number seven. Um, the Orioles bullpen, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the show. Orioles bullpen is in their last 13 games, four out of five saves, a 149 ERA, a 163 batting average against a 103 whip as we come to you live here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. So it has been, um, the, the bullpen has been 
as as advertised, if not better. Remember last year, this bullpen was a top ten unit in all of Major League Baseball, and right now they're a top five unit, and they're only getting better. And this is without Hunter Harvey. And I think that at some point, Jorge Lopez is going to get into that bullpen and be a be a, a long reliever for the Orioles because I don't think that. Look, if you can't trust your starting pitcher to get to get through the fifth inning. Everybody knows that when Jorge Lopez gets in the fifth inning, that's when he starts to break down. You saw it in Texas. He had an amazing start. He, he had a no-hitter okay. through four innings, and then he gives up back-to-back home runs to lead off the fifth. Then he goes into this in his neck, into this start against the Yankees. He's dazzling. He, I think he given up one or no runs in four innings, and in the fifth inning, he lets the first two runners score. Uh, Orioles ended up winning that game, but at that point, he he gave up the lead. It was it was a one nothing lead for the Orioles, and the next thing you know, it's two to one. Uh, Jorge Lopez, you cannot trust him to be as it to be in the starting rotation if he falters in the fifth inning every time out. You just can't do it. Um, now, it's changing gears here a little bit, Zach, you have something to sound off on. Yeah, so for the last two nights, most of you, as I did, probably watched the NFL Draft. Um, you know, one of my favorite sports events of the year. Always exciting. Um, as Ravens fans, you know, we pick late, so it takes a while. But always a fun sports event of the year for sure. But one of my other favorite events of the year is the MLB Draft. You know, seeing who the Orioles decide to pick up. Um, they always pick pretty high, so it's always pretty exciting seeing guys like Adley Rutschman, Heston Kerstad come off the board. They always get some solid prospects, but... It's being moved this year to the All-Star break, July 11th to July 13th. They're trying to make it more of like a spotlight event, you know, more of, of something people actually want to watch because nobody watches the MLB draft. It just it seems to me that the ratings are low. People don't want to see guys that aren't going to be in the majors for three or five years. And that's kind of where Major League Baseball's draft has, has faltered a little bit. But I think, you know, you have an opportunity this year. You moved it inside you know, the all-star break where Coors Field is, I would put a giant venue, you know, on, on the field. Um, I would, you know, I would do it right in Coors Field, right in the middle of the field, put a bunch of people around, you know, get a bunch of fans in the stadium and make this actually like a decent event. Make this something that people actually want to watch. Give it some fanfare. Give it some excitement. Um, you know, there are guys like Jack Leiter who you're really going to want to watch in a few years. And if people know that name, you know, it's only going to help MLB brand their game. And and that's what they've been having a lot of trouble with. So I think they, they're they missing out on an opportunity to make this so much more than what it is because the Major League Baseball's draft is not nearly what you know NFL or NBA are doing right now. They need to make this more of a fan-focused event. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It's never going to happen. I'm not disagreeing I'm with I'm not you. trying to just completely shoot you down. Uh, they don't air enough college baseball. I can never watch a Maryland sure. Terps game sure. on, on TV. They, yeah. I think they play three game, televised games all year. You can really only see the SEC. That's and, what you and, can see. And, and the, unless you have, and you, you can unmute Stan if you want to go ahead and sure. do that. Um, unless they have, unless you have a college network, the ACC network, the Big Ten network, the SEC network, you're not watching college baseball. It's just not going to happen. So, and, and like you said, because it takes at a minimum two years to get to the major leagues once you're drafted, you're never you're not gonna fill they're not gonna put a draft in a stadium with a bunch of fans in it because they're not gonna sell tickets to that. They can't even get I these, would go. <laughs> you would go, but you're like one of like a, of a million. Right? They, they, they can't even get these prospects to show up 
on draft day at, at the MLB Network Studios as it is, you see one, maybe two guys show up on draft night as it is. It's just, it's a nice idea. I just don't think it's ever going to work. Stan, first and foremost, how are you this morning? I'm fine, guys. I apologize. I'm, I'm in the, hold on. I'm in the middle of driving somewhere, and my GPS is going to be sounding off. Man, but I, didn't know how to, I didn't know how to accomplish this. No worries. Um, Zach, I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate the passion of what you're talking about, but I think you know, and obviously Paul stated, it's just not going to happen. Because no, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a nice thought, but the, the problem is nobody knows nobody knows enough about the uh, nobody knows enough about the players. Yeah. You know, they just don't know they don't have the product knowledge, and and those cameras. Football's done such an amazing job. It's such a mindless sport. When they show those cameras of the Green Bay Packers fans wearing the cheese, and they announce the player. You think those people know who the player is? They have no After clue. No, I, I, I was saying that all, no all draft night. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's uh, unless you're a draft, Nick, they don't know, but they're there. Uh, and, you know, football is such a, such a more of a mindless sport. It's really, it's really not even comparable. Yeah. And, I'm going to pull over so my GPS isn't um, way ahead of where I want it to be. So <laughs> I can pull over and then you won't hear this uh, GPS. We appreciate uh-huh. it. Uh, yeah, that's and, and, and that's the other thing. In the NFL, these guys get drafted and it's like picking up a free agent who's going to play immediately. It's not like that in baseball. Sure. In baseball, you're getting drafted and there's all the fanfare around it and then you don't play for three years. So it's, yep. it's, it's never going to be the spectacle that the NFL draft is. It's nice that they're putting more attention on it and I like that. You'll have more eyes because it's in a downtime for baseball, but it's not going to have the fanfare with uh, with five to ten thousand fans showing up. To watch I also it. think, though, if you make it more of an event and you actually show people you can do it, maybe people get more interested in you know college baseball a little bit. Maybe people want to see guys like Jack Litt. SEC channels pretty you know it's pretty accessible. I think most people can watch that one. Well, and that's the other thing. I'm interested. Zach, I'm just curious. How much college baseball do you watch? I watch a fair amount. Um, you know, I don't really have like I a. Find- I find college baseball, unless you get to the very top, top tier, you know, when it's a World Series. And when I lived in Durham, I used to try and go see Duke play. The the command of the the lack of command by pitchers, mm-hmm. it, it turns it into such a it's mind blowing how boring it is when you watch pitchers that can't control the strike zone. Oh, we remember that from the 2000, yeah. from 98 to 2011 Baltimore Orioles. We know that all too well. Um, and, and, and look, it's it's fine if you want to get people more interested in college baseball, but the NCAA does a terrible job of making base, college baseball yeah. accessible to people because it's just not on television. You, you have to go out of your way to find that game, and in today's day and age, nobody wants to do that. So moving on to other things, Stan, the Orioles have won four of six. But they still aren't hitting. Just three runs last night. Uh, looks like Mancini's coming out of the coming out. Of, it looks like Ryan Mountcastle is slowly but surely coming out of his month-long funk. Do you expect an offensive surge once they get healthy and once the weather starts to warm up a little bit, or is this just are we in this for the long haul with this with this overly aggressive and lack of results approach? Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure how I feel about that right now. I'll tell you who I lump in there who's been. Extremely disappointing to me has been DJ Stewart. We were uh, just saying that. Yeah, uh, he's so between the three of them, 
and Mount Castle, I, I got to be honest, guys, I don't know how much you were paying attention to what I was talking about the previous year and a half, two years with him. This is exactly the player I was afraid we were going to see is this guy who expands the strike zone, doesn't, isn't able to coax a walk, you know, because he's so, such a wild swinger. And I saw none of that last year in the 30, 35 games he played. And this year, I've seen nothing but that player. Um, uh, look, the guy, the guy clearly has, uh, has the hit tool. Uh, he's got enormous power, but he's got to make more contact. And, he's, and in order to do that, you know, the word has gotten around that you don't have to throw him strikes. And unless he forces that issue... That's what you're going to have. You're going to have a guy that hits, you know, 220 to 230, and he's going to strike out like 150, 160 times and walks 25 times. He has got to, he has got to improve that and be much more of the player he was last year. DJ Stewart, this is, you know, this is about the fifth opportunity he's had to really nail down a major league role. And I think he's, unfortunately, so far, flopping miserably at it right now. Stan, DJ Stewart can't hit the fastball. He can't hit the fastball. How do you? How are you a first-round pick, and the Orioles expect you to hit in the middle of their lineup, at least the top half of their lineup, and you can't hit a fastball? He is late on every fa- – 95-plus, he can't touch it. And, and yep. th- that swing is so long. There's no uh, there's no adjustment from pitch to pitch. He gets two strikes. You don't see a choke up. You don't see a a, 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 um, a better approach. You see a home run swing every time, and he misses every time. And now he's not walking either, so it's even more glaring. He, well, he did walk last night, I think. I think he walked once last night. Uh, yeah, um, what's his one base percentage right now? 292. 292. Yeah, that's that's not going to play. Yeah, la- and the last... other guy, the other guy. When you ask me, you know, are we going to get when the weather gets warmer? I don't know what the weather would do for Chance Cisco. He's he done. has become he has become to me. And and I look. I used to talk like this when I was 23, 24 years old. I I don't discard people as being valueless and worthless and all that. And they're horrible. But he's as close as I can get to it. Uh, his his mechanics behind the plate, forget the hitting for a second, uh, like giving away the, that base last night just drove me absolutely insane that he couldn't find that ball, you know? Yeah. And it was right there at his feet. Now, uh, now, and and here's, here's the thing I want to ask you then, uh, Stan, jumping ahead a little bit. Pedro Severino, he's fine. He's not lighting the world on fire, but he's hitting two sixty two. He's he's you don't he's not an automatic out, and he's playing better, I think, defensively behind the plate than he has I've in the got last the couple. Same, of years. I've got the same problems with him. Yeah, you know, he he doesn't keep the most of his problems aren't pass balls. Most of his problems are wild pitches. But by now, he's been in the big leagues four or five years. You know, you gotta you gotta slide over and and confront the ball and keep it in front of you, he sort of slides over and still, he'd be the worst ice hockey goalie that you could imagine. <laughs> his, his, his rate would be about seven goals a game, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, the two of them, between the two of them, they absolutely drive me crazy. Now, I asked Hyde that question the other day, and I posed it, it was before a game, not after a game, 
and I posed it, are, are you happy with the way your catchers catch, actually catch the ball? And he, it was really interesting. He didn't dismiss it with a brief answer because he's a catcher. Right. He talked about how, you know, a lot of it has to do, and, and what it, the point he made to me was it's, it's in the game now. It's sort of baked into the game, not just the Orioles. It's the way catchers are taught to frame pitches that they're so intent on receiving it a certain way to, to be able to move it that they, they don't really catch the ball sometimes. And it was, a, it was an eye-opening answer to me. And I, and I do watch a fair amount of baseball being a fantasy uh, baseball player. I watch a fair amount of other games. And it is more pandemic, you know, endemic in the game right now. Not a pandemic. It's just, it's a, it's a problem. You know. Well, l- let me ask you this, though. So Nick Chufo, he, he broke his hand getting hit by a pitch, didn't need any surgery or anything like that, but uh, broke his hand getting hit by a pitch at the ATS a couple of weeks ago. You know who what you this? have. I'm sorry, who was this? Nick Chufo, uh, okay. for, former first-round pick. He's a catcher okay. in the Orioles organization. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know what you have in Austin wins. Chance Cisco isn't getting the job done. Pedro Severino is, I guess, adequate but not great. Right. The Orioles are hovering right around 500. Again, one, winners of 4 or 6 or 12 and 14. Do you think that the lack of catching at the big league level, the lack of catching depth at the high levels of the minors, does this uh, expedite Adley Rutschman's progression? If he has a good first two months, do you think we see him sooner rather than later this year? No. I, I, I don't think you can put the cart before the horse. He has got to develop. If, if he's – I answer the question. I don't think he'll be up in two months – but if he's hitting 480, you know, six home runs and 35 RBIs in the first six weeks, yeah, he might he might come up. But I don't see I don't see him making that kind of quantum leap. And I think it's much more important to develop him. And when his game is ready, that's when you bring him up. You don't bring him up because you have a deficiency, which is one of the reasons. And, and I don't love the guy I'm going to mention because he's fair, fairly now a, a non-entity. Jonathan LaCroix, and I don't know if he's hooked one or not, I would much rather have a guy like that on the Orioles, you know, a veteran 35-year-old guy who at least knows how to catch and who might actually make your pitchers better, uh, not, not, not take away from what your pitchers do. Uh, by sort of annoying them, by drop, you know, dropping balls and all that. Um, I'd much rather have like a LaCroix than a Chance Cisco, and I'd put Cisco back and play him like at first base at that AAA, you know. It seems like the Orioles, to me, are kind of hesitant to get rid of some of these guys, like Chance Cisco, like Rio Ruiz, that have been on the roster for a little while. But what is it? When, when does it come time that you say as the Orioles, these guys aren't providing us any value, we've got to replace them with even a guy who may not, like, like a Nick Chufo, who's not a great player in his own right. But when do, when do they make that move? When do they pull the switch? Well, I, you know, I think they, they, it's funny how the pandemic is working. You know, obviously it's hurting everybody economically. I don't think visually you're seeing a great deal of difference at Camden Yards right now with fans than if the fans were able to come up and buy tickets whenever they wanted and could go to any game. You know, there was no limitation. I think you'd see the bigger crowds being 14,000, 16,000, 
and I think you'd see an awful lot of seven, 8,000 fan games. So in that sense, they're, they're not pressured to suddenly win, but I think, I think by the second half of this season, they've got to start to show some progress. Uh, and I think where they might do that is somehow much more along those pitching lines of Lother and Bowman, Bowman coming up and showing that they belong. You know, I mean, it's absolutely amazing to me what John Means has become in two years. And this is a guy... You know, I mean, I follow the Orioles minor leagues. This is a guy nobody was talking about going into the 19th season. Wasn't even a top 30 prospect. Right. No. He was a a total afterthought, and Chris Holt helped him. Uh, I will tell you this. That that is one of the more positive developments that the Orioles have had is the ascent of Chris Holt and what he's done to the organization. You You know, and I will say this. You know, Mike, Mike Elias might not be the warmest and fuzziest guy in town, but he is clearly the most adept baseball man they've had running the organization. And I mean baseball man since Pat Gillick back in the mid-90s, you know, when he, was, when he signed a three-year contract with the Orioles and kind of checked out in his third year because he and Peter couldn't stand each other. Um, but, but Mike Elias knows what he's doing, that gives me a lot of confidence uh, in in the process. You know, as we used to say, uh, as Raven fans, you got to trust the process. Well, the Orioles have somebody we can trust that's getting the job done. Absolutely, and uh, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Chris Holt because look, the Orioles got rid of Doug Procale last year. Um, even though they had after last season, even though they had significant improvement all around in their pitching yeah, staff from the year before, he did an okay job. And this, that, was a case, this was a case they didn't want to lose this guy. Exactly, you know? and you can see why. He took an Orioles, yeah. an Orioles bullpen that was top 10 last year, and now they're top 5. The starting rotation rotation has been much better. John Means isn't just a staff ace. He's a bona fide major league ace. And at least in his last 10 starts, he is 5-1 and one with a 163 ERA over that time span. This is a this is a pitching staff that you can see what Chris Holt and Darren Holmes are doing, and you can see the impact that they're having on this organization. No question about it. And look, it's it's early yet. You remember the line from uh, Pulp Fiction when uh, Harvey Keitel uh, helps the Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, you know, clean up after they uh, a death. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a funny line in there that I can't repeat, even on this radio. <laughs> um, but you know, we're not congratulating ourselves just yet. But boy, wouldn't it, you know some of this every once in a while? And again, I play fantasy baseball. Some of it is just l- pure luck. And wouldn't it be something if we got Matt Harvey, and all of a sudden Matt Harvey comes back to being. of what he was in his prime, you know, a guy capable. And all of a sudden you got Means and him and Zimmerman. You got, you know, you got three guys you can really build around. And, you know, I mean, Kramer's got the stuff. He just is, I don't want to call him soft. He's just not, his pitches aren't crisp enough right now. And I don't know that they ever will be. But you know what? The worst that could happen is he he becomes a high high leverage relief pitcher. You know, but but if you start off and you had Means, 
Harvey and Zimmerman all pitching well, uh, that would be, you know, that would start to pique my interest, you know, as a fan. I tweeted this the other night, but from what I saw from Dean Cranberry the other day, the, the problem that he's having right now is he's throwing too many fastballs. You know, it, it seems like the majority of his pitches, where I feel like his curveball is his best pitch, that, you know, the, really the out pitch for him and the pitch that he can control really well, and it seems like he hardly ever throws it. Do you think the same thing? Do you see Dean Kramer throwing maybe too many fastballs, too many cutters, and not trusting his changeup and his curveball enough? I, You know, I'm – I'm not that sophisticated an observer to, to know which of the pitches. I'll, I'll now that you say that I'll watch his next couple outings. But I will, whatever it is, he's not throwing strike one nearly enough. And, exactly. And you and I know, you and I know, you may Zach even know the exact number. But it's amazing the difference the the batting average against a pitcher when he throws strike one and when he throws ball one first. You know, it's just enormous. Or when he's behind somebody two and one rather than one and two. It's just, you know, it's all the difference in the world, and he's always on the wrong side of the count. Yeah, he, 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 he struggles to get ahead of hitters. He struggles to throw strikes. Um, and, and it's kind of a microcosm of he uh, of the Orioles rotation as a whole because you have all this talent at the top end with Means, Harvey's looking better, uh, but then you have uh, Jorge Lopez and Dean Kramer who can't get out of the fifth inning and then a lot of times can't even get to the fifth inning. So I want to talk a little bit about Jorge Lopez. Stan, he is always fantastic the first four innings. Gets to the fifth inning, can never get out of the fifth inning without at least a little bit of damage done. Uh, how long, how much longer is... Jorge Lopez going to stay in this rotation before the Orioles finally say, you know what, you're more of a long reliever, a 2-3 inning type, and let's bring up a guy like Zach Louther and put him into this rotation instead. Yeah, I think I think what you'll see again is that won't be determined as much by Jorge Lopez's performance. It'll be, it'll be determined more by how quickly Bauman and Louther, Louther look like they might be ready. You know, um, you don't want to come up and have them get their brains beat out, you know, uh, because you know it, it can it can set a pitcher back. But I think that that day is coming. But I don't think it'll be for another month. Um, you know, look, they they know as, with how many pitchers they're carrying that they're going to have some some you know stumbles here. Uh, so they're they're able to cover that, and they've got enough arms that they can bring up for a couple days. You know when they need somebody to to cover some innings pitch, um, so it, that time is coming. I'd say he's on very thin ice, uh, Jorge Lopez, but the ice is hardened a little bit because it's going to be more determined not by how bad he is, it's by how good those guys are when one of them. And I don't know if Lothar's the chosen one because he came up first for a day. Um, you know they seem to want to get. They seem to be doing that intentionally, of uh, bringing some people up, you know, to get them squared away that, that they understand what the major leagues are like. I mean, I, to me, I sensed when they brought Lothar up that, hey, they're going to take a look at him. And it was interesting. He was up for one inning, and the next day they brought up a fresher arm. So, you know. Yeah, I kind of. I, 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 I I'm not. I'm not right about everything all the time. I, I kind of got the impression when they brought him up. I, 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 the back of my mind was like, 
you know what, he's probably just up to fill a role, and then he'll probably go back down before he comes back up for good. Um, but there was the, the thought that crept in, and we thought maybe he'll get this inning of relief in, in, in uh, last Sunday, and then he'll be the starter on Wednesday. But it was Dean Kramer who ended up being the starter on Wednesday with Lowther going back down to the ATS. He's probably going to start the year at AAA Norfolk, though they haven't announced their roster just yet. Now, we were talking about John Means and his uh, – his ascent into ace-hood, uh, for lack of a better term. The Orioles, in my opinion, Stan, are going to have three all-stars this year, and it's going to be the M-boys. You look at it, John Means, Cedric Mullins, and I think Trey Mancini is going to be an all-star too because he's getting a lot of notoriety around the league for his story, and I think the average and the power numbers are going to be there by the time we get to that point of the year. Do you, do you agree with me that the Orioles may have three uh, all-stars, and could they potentially have more? I, I don't think they'll have more. And I think Mancini will be the one that has to really make a push right now. You know, the next six weeks, he's really got to be something special, which we know he's capable of being. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting until you pose that question to me, um, and you and I communicate during the week with topics we're going to talk about, and you communicated you wanted to talk about that. I hadn't really thought about it, uh, but certainly – Means and Mullins look like all-stars right now. Doesn't look to be, you know, a lot can happen the second month where Mullins could fade back, but it sure seems like he, he's he's the real deal, you know, right now. It's incredible to me seeing what Cedric Mullins, he looks like a totally different player. And we, we discussed it at length in the past, but the thing about Cedric Mullins, speed doesn't slump, right? So he could be in an 0 for 9 stretch, lay down a bunt and get himself right back up on that horse. Yes. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. So I don't, th- I don't necessarily think that you're going to see a prolonged slump just because he's so fast. He can hit a ground ball, a shortstop, and reach base. Um, yeah. You know, you know so- it's funny. I, I was the first guy in town to write about Mullins, and it was about four years ago. I was at a spring training game in Fort Myers, and he hit a triple. And I asked Showalter after the game, I said, this guy, Mullins, I mean, you haven't been around here for, you know, for at the time, Bucket probably managed six years or something like that, seven years. But I said, you haven't been here that long, but I can't remember a faster Oriole. And, and he goes, he's pretty fast. He goes, you know what size shoe he wears? And I just, I just guessed because nobody would ask you that if the guy's foot was six, in, you know, a six. So I said, uh, 15. He goes, how'd you know that? And I said, I just guessed it the way you asked the question. He's got a size 15 foot. C- Cedric Mullins wears a size 15. That is insane to me. He's, yeah. not a, he's like a five foot eight and he has a size that's 15. That's, that's, crazy. Crazy. that's clown's he's a, feet. He's a, he's, a, he's a freak. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you bring up a great point about not going into slump. This year, he's made very little use of the bunt, you know, for, for great success to lift his average up and keep him – from an 0 for 12 and turn it into a 2 for 12, you know. Um, he's just he's just hitting purely well. I wrote about him and predicted he was going to be like the next thing, and then I started watching him, and he was so putridly bad yeah. in uh, 19. Uh, was 19 the year he started the season with the team and ended up back in Bowie? Yeah, 6 for 64 yeah. and got demoted twice. I mean, how? You don't see many players make it as a prospect, then fall back two levels, you know, 
to go back to Bowie because he wasn't even performing well enough at AAA that, that end up making it. And he's got one of the wild stories and the giving up of the switch hitting, you know, I never see people do that either, you know. Every once in a while you see somebody like a Dempsey who talked and talked and talked about trying to uh, switch hit, you know, because he couldn't really hit right-handed pitching all that well. So. Yeah, he's switching over to left-handed and it seemed to work out for him. He has most hits against left-handed hitters of any player in baseball by a wide margin. Uh, really <laughs> doing it from the That's left side. The, the new Hunter Alberto. Yeah, yep. Yeah, but I think he's much better. Uh, Stan, we, Stan, we got we got to get going. Definitely. But thank you so much. Right. I always look forward to our talks. Always we'll talk next week. Talking to you guys, I really enjoy it. Okay, Absolutely, thank man. you. Take Bye-bye. care. That was Stan the Fan. Charles joining us here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Stan the Fan has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with the or- with Orioles alumni director Bill Stetka. And Stan and Gary talked Ravens with Pressbox's Glenn Clark. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Online.com. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. We're going to get a break. When we come back, Bowie Bay Sox play-by-play man Paul Fritchner. The annual MIAA Lacrosse Championships are coming live to Anne Arundel County for the first time ever. The MIAA Lacrosse Championships feature some of the nation's top lacrosse programs as well as the future stars of the game. Join us Tuesday, May 18th and Friday, May 21st at the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. Tickets are on sale now. To learn more, go to MIAAChampionships.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. 
If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, Todd. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you. Very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Heston Kerstad. Thanks for having me. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Glenn and Kyle, two diaper dandy. He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens 2020 draft class in their second season. Press box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. On the line with us now, we have new Bowie Bay Sox play-by-play man, Paul Fritschner. And if I, I hope I pronounced your name correct. I'm usually pretty good about it, Paul. Did I get it right? You did, and you know, not a lot of people get it right on the first shot, so I appreciate that. Thanks, guys, for having me on. How you guys doing today? We're doing well. We're absolutely thrilled to have you on. I like to consider myself the Joe Angel of Press Box. I usually don't mispronounce a name. I'm usually pretty good about it. <laughs> so, uh, Paul, really happy to have you on the program. Uh, briefly, give us a backstory on where you came from and how you ended up in Bowie. Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I grew up in Springfield, Virginia, so I'm a native of the DMV, but I uh, went to college at Xavier in Cincinnati and did a play-by-play there for four years for all the non-men's basketball sports, because obviously men's basketball has their contracts with Fox and everything else. So right. I did baseball there freshman year through senior year, which is why I got a chance to broadcast Zach Lowther and Ryland Bannon there as uh, college players and also another guy uh, in the Eastern League that the Hartford Yard Goats just announced yesterday, Garrett Schilling, will be on their team, another pitcher. Um, but I, so I moved my way up through Xavier. I spent two years in summer collegiate baseball leagues, one in Cincinnati and then one actually out here in the Cal Ripken League. I was with the Alexandria Aces. Nice. And then I spent one year in the Frontier League doing play-by-play and then uh, last year, I was supposed to be in Bowie with Adam, but the pandemic had other ideas, but we made it work this year, and I'm back out here, and 
let me tell you what, I am really excited after all this time to finally get going. Yeah, I'm sure you're chomping at the bit to get things started, especially after having missed last year because of the pandemic. First year with Bowie, uh, what are you looking forward to the most about this upcoming season? Well, you know, I could just fall back on the default and say it's going to be really exciting to have Adelie Rutschman there. Um, but, you know, I, I think outside of the prospects, you know, when you look at guys like Adley and D.O. Hall and eventually probably Grayson Rodriguez, but, you know, outside of those top guys, if you look at just the environment at Bowie, and, and this is something I've talked about with Adam and, and some of the other guys in the front office, is that baseball is just, for fans, it's just, you know, you can tell the fans want to get back to the game so badly, and the interest in minor league baseball, I think, this year is going to be at a level that maybe we haven't seen it recently just because fans haven't been able to go to games. And with restrictions on attendance that the Nationals are at the Orioles, I made the comment that maybe you see some uh, increases in attendance at these minor league games because you know fans might not be able to get tickets as easily at the major league level, which will lead fans that just want to go to live baseball games going to the minor league games around the area and Bowie's in that perfect little niche there between Baltimore and Washington to be able to give fans that experience this year. So I'm really, really, really excited to be in that environment, to be able to do the games and to have fans around and and to bring what should be a really exciting Bowie Bay Sox team to the fans of the Orioles and the Bay Sox. Well, and you are certainly in the right spot. For minor league baseball, if you're gonna if you're gonna be doing your your play by play career, in, it, starting out in the minor leagues, because the Orioles are loaded at every affiliate. You mentioned Adley Rutschman, D.L. Hall. Uh, the, any Orioles fan worth their salt knows that the best baseball they're gonna see in this Orioles, and the, the Orioles aren't playing bad baseball, but the best baseball that they're gonna see in this organization is in the minor leagues. That's where everybody is. I'm already trying to find games that, that I can go to in Bowie. Literally was thinking about going to a game in the next week or two last night. Um, You mentioned Grayson Rodriguez. I was expecting him to start on the Bowie roster, but he's in in Aberdeen to start the year. Was that a surprise to you? Did you expect him like I did to start out with the Bay Sox this year? I think that was maybe the biggest surprise of the minor league announcements yesterday when everybody was going through the break camp rosters. I, I think the general consensus was that Grayson would probably be in Bowie, but you know, I, maybe they start him down there for, for a few starts and then potentially look to bring him up fairly quickly. I, I don't know, um, you know, the plan for him or anything like that. So I can't speak any, any details like that, but I think um, when you look at how Grayson could progress this year and, I, I do think, I'm with you, I was a little surprised that he isn't going to start in Bowie, but when you have the rotation that Bowie is going to have this year, especially to start, you know, looking at like D.O. Hall, uh, Brennan Hannafy will be there, Kyle Bradish, Kevin Smith too, you know, those guys, it's going to be a really solid rotation in Bowie. And, you know, maybe they wanted uh, Grayson to kind of be the guy down there for a couple starts or, or potentially even longer. I'm not sure. Now, do we know yet who will be the starting pitcher for the Bay Sox when they, you know, they have opening day, not only at home, but on the road on May 4th? Do we have any idea who the opening day starter will be? I know generally it's not the ace of the staff, so it might not be D.L. Hall. Yeah, we don't know for sure. And in fact, the roster that we were given yesterday to publish, the break camp rosters, 
technically, as you guys probably know, isn't really even the opening day roster. That'll still get trimmed and, and edited a little bit. And they have, I think, the rule is up until about an hour before wow. the first pitch of game one to change that roster. Now, hopefully the Orioles uh, can do it a, a little bit sooner so that people have an idea about it. Maybe by noon or so on Tuesday, we should have a clearer idea. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who's going to start um, on opening night. And it's, again, like you said, it's going to be in Altoona. And Adam and I will not be there. We'll be broadcasting remotely from Bowie. So it'll be a different experience to not be there and kind of be in that, that intimate setting of being at the stadium and being able to see some of those, those lineup changes and, and roster decisions play out in real time. Now, Paul, you uh, had the opportunity to see a fair amount of the game action at the alternate training site, if not all of it. Second base has been a black hole for the Orioles at the Major League level this year. People have been clamoring for Jemai Jones ever since he started out something like 7 for 10. With a, he, had a, he was hitting for a bunch of power. How has Jemai Jones looked? More importantly, how has his defense been? I'll tell you what. Jemai Jones has maybe been – he was maybe the most impressive – player at the alternate training site in the three games that I watched. I did not go down to Fredericksburg to watch the games that they played down there, but they played five games in total. They played three games in Bowie and Jemai Jones, when you look at the stats that he put up, I mean, two for four in one game, two for three with a home run, three for three with a double, a home run, RBI, two walks. He is just all over the place this year. And defensively, I liked what what he was bringing to the table. He's turning some double plays up the middle. You could tell that the Orioles were trying to work him around. And, and I think that what he brought to the plate was just so impressive. And he was so solid just being able to hit the ball all around the field and, and his power too. a couple of home runs um, hitting for power, but making solid, good contact I think, uh, you know, it's a small sample size. It's only five games. But Jemai Jones, it would probably be hard to not pick him as the uh, as the MVP of whatever you want to call the alternate site series. <laughs> yeah, everybody was certainly uh, enthused after hearing the numbers come out, at seemingly game after game after game with Jones. Um, now, you mentioned the power. I also saw a power surge from Stevie Wilkerson and from Austin Wins. So I'm curious, Major League Baseball and AAA uh, in, in 2019 and 2020, were, well, in 2019, were using the same baseball, and it was flying out of the ballparks at a, a historic rate. Major League Baseball has deadened the ball this year. They've come out and said it. Uh, are they still using the same ball at the minor league level that they were using in 2019, or is it the same ball they're using at the major league level now? You know, that's a good question, and it's a question I can't tell you for sure. And I'm, I I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's the same one, but, you know, I don't know for sure, and I can get back to you on that one. Um, but I don't know. Uh that's a question I probably should have the answer to, guys. But uh, no, I do not. No, uh, I, don't I mean, know. how would you know? And, and, unless you, I mean, it's not something I ever even thought of until this exact moment. I don't, I don't think they've announced it anywhere. I don't think they're making it public. So, yeah, no, so it's, sorry to put you, <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot there. It, it's just no, I, no, no. no I'm fine. thinking about guys having power surges that, that aren't known for their power, and it's like maybe they're still using the same ball. But who the hell, who, who the hell knows, right? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I and this, at the same point, I think it's going to be really interesting, some of these guys in the minor leagues along that line of what you're saying, seeing power surges from guys maybe you haven't seen before. You know, I'm going to be really interested to see with some of these guys that weren't at the alternate site last year in 2020, how some of these minor league guys, or really all of the minor league guys, that have taken all this time off over the last year, how they are able to come back and get right into game action and whether some of them spent the year, you know, considerably improving, you know, where the development will be over the course of this last year for a lot of these guys that maybe didn't get into game action. Now, the funny thing is a guy like Reed Hayes, he was in Kentucky at the Battle of the Bourbon Trail with the Florence Yalls, which I called some of his games last year in Florence, a small world that he went and, and got some game action. So there were some places that some of these guys were able to, to get in some games last year and see some live pitching or, or to throw some innings, for, you know, depending on who they were. But at the same time, like you guys are saying, it's going to be real, real interesting this year to see how that layoff has affected a lot of these minor league guys. Yeah, and you would it would have behooved them to continue to play and stay in shape over the last year. You hope that they that nobody just kind of sat around and said, you know what, we're not playing this year. I'll get back to it next year. You hope that they kept them <laughs> they, they kept their skills sharp, uh, at least for the Orioles' sake. Um, one last question about Jamai Jones: Did he play second base exclusively, or did he get some run in the outfield too? Uh, that's a good question. It was, it's a little hard to remember. I was working a million jobs at the same time that I was uh, watching the game. So the way that they were uh, rotating through guys and you know pitchers quite frequently through innings and defensive substitutions all the time, and there was no there was no real uh, official you know game tracker or anything in front of me. So it was a little hard to tell just from the eye test. I don't want to say anything for sure, but. I do know um, just in general that, uh, you know, just how they were operating the alternate site, that they were trying to get guys um, experienced in different places and, and to rotate through some of those guys. Um, and, and the one thing I should say to the box score um, that people might not see just from looking, if you're looking at the Orioles player development Twitter account, if you're looking at the box score, the pitchers were given a pitch limit. So I, I can't remember who it was, but there was one game. Um, it might have been in Dean Kramer's start where he only allowed one run in an inning, but there was one out and the bases were loaded and he reached his pitch limit and the inning just ended. So there is a little bit of a, a, a grain of salt to be taken with you know these box scores and, and the final scores and stuff like that. Um, but in general, as far as just individual production goes and defensively, you can take a lot of that at face value, too. I want to talk about a guy named Kyle Bradish. Um, came over in the Dylan Bundy trade a few years ago with some guys like Kyle Brinovich, Zach Peak, uh, Isaac Matson, And he's kind of, in, in my opinion at least, made his way to the top of that class of guys that were traded for, for Dylan Bundy. And there was an article that came out a few weeks ago written by Jim Callis where he talked about that the Orioles now see Kyle Bradish as kind of the same level of pitcher as D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. So what do you expect to see out of Kyle Bradish this year? And have you seen him at all so far? I've not seen him yet, but he got bumped up. He's a 14th-ranked prospect now, and I'm really excited to to see him in Bowie just because, like you said, I mean, he's he's picked up his velocity, right? Like, he's pitching in the upper 90s now, um, and 
And this is a guy that, when you look at his off-speed stuff paired up with his fastball, what's he going to be able to do to get that swing and miss kind of stuff this year? But, I mean, he's he's a big guy, right? I mean, he's, he's 6'4", um, so that, that height is going to be able to play into a little bit of that two on the mound to get over the top of some of that breaking stuff. He's got, I think, four pitches. Um, so he's going to he's gonna be real, real. He's one of those guys, like you said, that has quickly moved up to projections and in the prospect list. And uh, it, it, he's a guy, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's going to, to, uh, to start on opening night, but he's a guy that's really going to be a fun one to watch his development this year and see if maybe he gets that call up um, depending on how his control is and uh, what he can do with some of that velocity too. Yeah, I think we're all excited to see some more pitchers graduate to the major league level, especially a guy who came over in that Dylan Bundy trade. You want you haven't seen anybody from that trade yet, yeah. so that's something that's somebody that you would like to see make the he and Isaac Matson for that matter. Um, now moving on to another position player briefly, Yusniel Diaz. He was on the taxi squad for the Orioles a couple of weeks ago when they were down in Texas. He um he he's one of their top prospects, and they're thinking he's going to make his debut and get a lot of playing time at some point this summer. Had I think he had three hits at the alternate training site in, in game action, including a home run. That, were you able to get eyes on him? How did he look? Does he look like somebody who could graduate to the next level sooner rather than later? He looked his best in game one at the alternate site. Uh, I think he was like two for three, uh, had a home run in that game. He looked really good at the plate, under control. Um, you know. I believe, you know, Yusniel, he's he's going to start down in, in Norfolk. And the way you look at it and the way that – the way I saw him hit at the alternate training site, granted, again, you know, it, it's really tough to, to kind of make some of these sweeping judgments when it's, when it's you know, just three games once a week and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But just from what I saw, Yusniel, like I said, played really well in game one. And then, you know, as he came back – you know, he got a hit. He was one for four in a game. Um, he, he, he was able to make some contact, but I'm going to be really interested to see what he does down in Norfolk as far as, you know, stringing together consistent at-bats. Can he hit for power? And if he can, if he can check a lot of those boxes that the Orioles are looking for out of him, again, he's a guy that has moved up. He's progressed. He's gone through Bowie. Now he's going to get up into that triple-A level. He's going to see a lot of that major league pitching. So can he continue some of that that he was doing at the alternate site in these five games this year where he's, he's hitting for power? Can he do that in Norfolk consistently enough to get a call-up earlier rather than later in the season? You know what, guys? I think he can. I, I think he's got that power. I think he's got what the Orioles might be looking for. But, uh, you know, can he do it consistently? Consistently, can he hit for power consistently? Can he do all of that? He's such a pure hitter, um, but can he do that at the AAA level consistently enough to get up? And I think he can, but time will tell over the first you know month or two of this season. Well, and can he make contact? 
consistently enough. A lot, a lot of swings yeah. and misses that I saw in spring training. You'd see a lot of box scores where he was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, and that's not something that the Orioles really wanted to see from Yosniel Diaz. It's up to him, especially. Look, he was the centerpiece of that Manny Machado trade, and he hasn't reached the big league level yet. We're, we're now in year three since he came over, and he hasn't gotten here yet. It, it, it's, it's now. The time is now for him to really make his case to be part of this major league roster and to finally for the Orioles to finally see the fruits of that trade. Now, minor league level, uh, Paul, everybody that have their eyes on Adley Rutschman. You're going to have lots of eyes on Adley Rutschman uh, <laughs> this season being the Bowie play-by-play man. Aside from Adley, the eyes are all on Heston Kerstad. And this is a guy who suffered from myocarditis. We don't know if it was COVID-related. Orioles' second overall pick. They took him um, over slots so they could get some, so that they could uh, save some money and, and distribute that elsewhere. And he hasn't played at all. Uh, he finally gets down to the alternate training site the last ten days or so. Did you see anything uh, from Heston Kerstad? And if you did, how did he look? I did not. I, I did not see anything from him. And again, it was. It's a little. It was a little hard at the alternate training site. Um, just again, without a without like a live tracker or anything, and so many substitutions going in and out. Um, I, I didn't see him though, so I don't want to say anything one way or the other about him. But it definitely is a good sign that he was cleared and he's able to play and finally get into some of that game action, like you said. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected him to get into any game action at the at the ATS. Maybe just get his work in and go down to extended spring training. But it's super important. The Orioles need this to be a home run. They need this pick to be a home run. They so do. All, yep. all, all eyes are going to be on him, along with Adley Rutschman. And uh, hopefully we see one of these guys, if not both of them, sooner rather than later. Paul, we got to hit a break. But thank you so much for joining the program. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully we'll get you on again soon. Sure, anytime, guys. Let's do it. Thanks Absolutely. For having me on. Absolutely. You have a great weekend. Talk to you guys later. If you're headed to a baseball game this season, you're going to need to wear a mask. So why not wear masks to celebrate our hometown and the teams and athletes we love? PressBox is offering three different types of home team masks, including a purple and orange Maryland flag pattern 20-inch neck gaiter, plus a Celebrate 8 purple neck gaiter honoring the MVP quarterback, and an over-the-ear two-ply Maryland flag mask featuring a faded version of the iconic state flag. These are decorative masks, folks. They are not CDC-approved, but they are perfect for hanging out and watching games while being respectful of those around you. Get your masks right now at PressBoxOnline.com masks. That's PressBoxOnline.com com slash masks. I also want to talk to you a little bit about Great Eights Memorabilia. They have so many great events coming up, including private signings with John Harbaugh, Anquan Bolden, oh, I love Q, and Jonathan mm-hmm. Ogden, who was, in, I met him outside of Golf Galaxy one time. Huge. That dude, he Huge. looks like he's nine and a half feet tall, especially to a guy who's five, seven and a half. I need that half inch. Uh, plus, the Great Eights stable will be part of, of Baltimore Cello... Celeb Fest on May 15th, where you can meet pro wrestling stars like Brian Cage, Lance Archer, and Matt Seidel. And coming June 27th, the inaugural Tucker Fest at Jerry's Toyota, where you can meet Justin Tucker. Nice. Plus live music from Joey Harcum and Dave Teef during the day. Find out about all of these events right now by going to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. We got to get a break. When we get back, the pale pitch around the league plus Orioles banter. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Bat Around, coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. We just had Paul Fritzner, new play-by-play man for the Bowie Bay Sox, on talking about the alternate training site, minor leagues, and Bowie's upcoming season with their loaded roster highlighted by Adley Rutschman and D.L. Hall. Another guy in that rotation, Ofelki Cabrera. Uh, that nobody's really talking about who had a nice 2019 season. The, the it, it, Orioles, it's kind of a stacked roster. It, it, it really is. And you know what? We're going to get to that in Orioles banter. The the entire Orioles minor league system is just completely loaded. I wouldn't be surprised to see a championship or two yeah, out of these yeah. affiliates this year. And now it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Nolan Arenado doubled twice and drove in Two, while Tyler O'Neill added three hits of his own, including his fifth home run to lead the Cardinals over the Pirates 7-3. to Aaron Judge homered twice, including a grand slam, and drove in five to back Garrett Cole's 12 strikeouts over six shutout innings. As the Yankees blanked the Tigers 10-0, Yankee pitching struck out 18 batters in the win. They're really hitting their stride. John Lester, yeah, I know. John Lester threw five shutout innings in his Nationals debut, and Kyle Schwarber hit his second home run and second walk-off home run of the season to lead the Nationals over the Marlins 2-1. James McCann allowed a pass ball in the second inning, scoring two Phillies base runners, and the Philadelphia bullpen slammed the door with four shutout innings to catapult the Phillies to a 2-1 victory over the Mets in a game completely devoid of any offense whatsoever. Joey Votto homered and doubled in... Uh, and doubled among his three hits while driving in three. The homer was his 300th career. And former Oriole Wade Miley, who I had no idea was still pitching. He's back? Wow. Tossed, dude, he's made six starts. Tossed five solid innings to pick up the win over the Cubs 8-6. to six. Miley improved to 3-2 and two with a 2-6-7 ERA on the season. I had no idea that he was still pitching. Uh, last time I heard, he was pitching for the Astros and the Brewers. Like he, yeah. he made his way around after. The and, and now he's three and two with a two six seven ERA, pitching well everywhere but Baltimore. <laughs> Lance McCullers tossed seven shutout innings, and five Astros had multi hit games, including four apiece by Michael Brantley and Carlos Correa as Houston handled Tampa Bay nine to two. The Blue Jays hit six home runs, including two by catcher Alejandro Kirk, to back Robbie Ray's strong six and two third innings as Toronto handled Atlanta thirteen to five. J.D. Martinez continued his resurgence as he homered twice to give him a Major League leading 9, while also driving in 4 to give him a Major League leading 25 RBIs as the Red Sox shut down the Rangers 6-1. Jose Ramirez homered and drove in 3, while Shane Bieber struck out 11 over 6 innings to lead Cleveland over the White Sox 5-3. Alex Kirilov homered twice and drove in 4, and Twins pitching held the first place Royals to 4 hits in a 9-1 victory. Jackie Bradley Jr. homered, and Freddie Peralta tossed 6 innings of 1-hit baseball, to push the Brewers past the reeling Dodgers, who have lost 6-8, of 3-1. John Means continued to shine, tossing seven innings of two-run ball, but Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes hit back-to-back third-inning home runs to lead the Orioles to their fourth win in six games, 3-2 over the Athletics. It's nice to that the Orioles are competitive. Really is right. They're, they're, they're not playing terrible they're, they're, baseball. They're one game at second uh, second place in the yeah, AL East right now. That's yeah. Solid. In the season's second month. Yeah. We'll get to that at some point, too. Uh, Madison Bumgarner followed up his seven-inning no-hitter with five innings of one-run ball, and as Drupal Cabrera reached base four times and drove in two to lead Arizona over Colorado 7-2. to two. Real quick, Madison Bumgarner, seven-inning seven no-hitter. No-hitter? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You, you made the rules to be a seven-inning game. Therefore, he threw a no-hitter over the seven innings. That is a game. If you shut somebody out in a complete game over seven innings and it's credited as a complete game shutout, if Garrett Cole led the majors in complete games last year but never threw a nine-inning game, 
then it should be it should count as a no hitter. Yeah. It, in my mind, Madison Bumgarner threw a no hitter, even if it was yes. just seven innings. Darren Ruff hit a seventh inning grand slam that wasn't as a review overturned the home run call, rolling a foul and letting the bystanding view Darvish off the hook. Darvish struck out twelve over six in the third innings, and the Padres held on to beat the Giants three to two. Shohei Otani hit his eighth home run, but it didn't matter as the Mariners pounded out seven runs on ten hits, including three home runs to take down the Angels 7-4. And now, Zach Goodman has a preview of today's Major League action. All right, 1 p.m. hour and at least matchup as Patrick Corbin and his Nats look to bounce back against the Marlins. I mean, Patrick Corbin bouncing back, not the Nats. The Tigers will visit Yankee Stadium as two struggling teams will go head-to-head. 2 p.m. hour, Danny Duffy, who's been lights out, will take on Matt Shoemaker as the Twins take on the Royals. 4 p.m., the Vet Lance Lynn takes the hill opposite of the young Tristan McKenzie. It's the Indians and the White Sox. Uh, the Orioles will play game two as the Dark Knight. Matt Harvey takes on the young Jesus Lazardo for the Oakland Athletics. The Cubs, they'll visit Great American Ballpark to take on the Reds. The veteran Astros will take on the young Tampa Bay Rays. 6 p.m. hour, another NL East matchup. Zach Wheeler's Phillies and the Mets with Taiwan Walker. Uh, at 6.30, the hot Jack Flaherty and his Cardinals will take on Trevor Cahill and the Pirates. At 7 p.m., the first-place Red Sox battle the last-place Texas Rangers. The Electric Dodgers will take on the Brewers in a National League premier showdown. At 7.30, it's an interleague matchup for the Braves and the kind of ice-cold Blue Jays right now. 8 p.m., the Rockies will take on the excellent young pitcher Zach Gallen and his D-backs. At 8.40, the Giants, who have been unbelievable, they'll face a tough challenge with the Padres and ace Blake Snell. Finally, at 9 p.m., it's the Angels and the M's as Griffin Canning will take on the coolest name in baseball, L.J. Newsom. Uh, in in a nine forty or a nine p.m. matchup. L.J. Newsom. It's kind of like it's a great, cool, it's a cool hand, Luke. Kind of, <laughs> it's a great name. Kind of name. So, uh, two things in there: the ice cold Blue Jays. Uh, that, that's fitting. They're, they're a little they're bit ice Toronto. cold. Yeah, they, they should be a lot better than what they are. Like th- this is a team who I I still think has so much potential to be better than they are. It's it's really surprising to see how bad their, they've been. Their bullpen is second best in baseball. Yeah, I mean, which is crazy to me because I thought their pitching was going to be their downfall, but their offense hasn't really gotten it going. I think once some of the you know the injuries subside for them a little bit, they'll get going a little. Well, bit. Well, George Springer's back. Uh, he had a, he went one for three last night. They hit I think they hit six home runs in that game last night. So with George Springer back in that lineup, and once these guys start to heat up a little bit, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. he is hot lost right forty now. pounds and is now tearing the cover off the ball again. They're in a, they're in a good spot, man. They're they're, they're okay. Um, I'm not worried about them. Believe me. <laughs> the 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 electric Dodgers. Yeah, the electric Dodgers. That, that sounds that sounds like a like a. I like to throw in some hyperbole. Like a it's techno always, band or something like that. Like the, the electric the Dodgers. Electric. By the way, Wade Miley. I'm I'm just looking up Wade Miley as we're sitting here. 14 games. He won 14 games in 2019 with the Astros. Like, where did that even come from? Yeah. I remember him being lights out, but in 14 20, in, games. In 2018 with the Brewers, he was lights out. Yeah, it, the the guy's been fantastic everywhere but Baltimore. Like, screw you, dude. In, in Baltimore, 8-15 eight, eight and 15 with a 5.61 ERA. ERA plus of 77. What a great year he had. I remember it, it was it was uh, the start of the 2016, maybe 2017 season. He faced the Yankees in his first start. He went five innings. He gave up one hit. But he didn't go beyond the fifth inning because he walked seven. Is it Jorge Lopez we're talking about? Or? Uh, dude, <laughs> or I don't Wade know, Miley. man. What? Wade Miley. And now he's quietly 3-2 and two with a 2.67 ERA out in, out in Cincinnati. Just... I wish that we had had Chris Holt back then, because maybe Wade Miley would have done this. Maybe the Orioles would have won more games, and maybe you know they they would have they would have uh, 
been a b- better than one and done in the playoffs in, in 2016. But I digress. I also I try not to call the Arizona Diamondbacks the D-backs because it sounds too much like D-backs. Really? No, I, yeah. I like it. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good abbreviation. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. I anyway, know. Orioles banter. Orioles minor league rosters were announced yesterday as the minor league season begins this Tuesday. So some notable names on each roster, and we're gonna see. Um, we're gonna talk about these as as I read them off. Uh, Norfolk Tides, their full roster hasn't hadn't been announced as uh, as of Friday night, so I'm sure we'll hear that in the in, probably at some point today. Bowie Bay Sox talked about it a little bit with uh, with Paul Fritzner just a little bit ago. Adley Rutschman's a headliner. D.L. Hall, Taryn Vavra, Ofelki Cabrera, Cody Sedlock, Caden Grenier, Willie Yan, Kyle Bradish, Gray Fenter, and Kevin Smith all on that roster. Uh, very surprised to not see Grayson Rodriguez. A lot of people thought that Grayson Rodriguez was ahead of D.L. Hall in, in his maturation and his uh, progress. Um, well, but I, I, in 19, DL was at Frederick and Grayson was with the Shorebird. So I guess he's a little bit one level ahead. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they do need that top of the rotation yeah. ace type of guy in Aberdeen. So I get that. Uh, he, he won't be at Aberdeen long. He, I expect him to go in there and dominate like he has at every level and then come out um, at every level. He's pitched in one minor league season. But um, I expect him to come out and dominate and make his way up to Bowie at some point this season, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, then uh, another one that I was ex- that I was um, kind of surprised at is Adam Hall is starting in, in mm-hmm. Delmarva. No, I believe it's Aberdeen, isn't it? I think it's Aberdeen. He's starting. Oh uh, right. yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, you're right. It, he's starting in. Um, in Aberdeen, I expected him to start at Bowie because of the success that he's had to begin his career. Caden Grenier was the 37th overall pick in the draft a few years back. Has not hit at the professional at level at, 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 at all. His glove is maybe one of the best in the system. He's at double A. I'm surprised to see that he's at double A. Um, and yet you have Adam Hall still sticking around at, at Aberdeen. You just shared a tweet with me. So the uh, the break camp roster for the Norfolk Tides was just announced. Let me look over this. You have Keegan Aiken, uh, Cody Carroll. Uh, There's some interesting names. Ryland Bannon, Jemai Jones, obviously we talked about before. Usniel Diaz. There's some notable names. Ryan here. Ripken getting his first yeah, yeah. getting his first action at AAA. Uh, Yusniel Diaz, Ryan McKenna, and Stevie Wilkerson, and Chris Shaw making up the outfield. Alexander Wells. They haven't listed as Alex Wells, but he told everybody to call me Alexander. Yeah. Uh, you know, it must be an Australian thing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, Josh Rogers, who pitched really well at the alternate training yep. site. So these are all names that you expect, though. These are all a lot sure. of these guys have already gotten major league action, and they will again. This is basically an extension of the Major League team that you're going to see a lot of these guys on the shuttle back and forth at some point if this there, year. If there ever were to be an injury uh, to to any first baseman on the Orioles, I would like to see Ryan Ripken just because he's Ryan Ripken. I just want Ryan Ripken to play one game for the Orioles. I, I'm sure that he will. He might at some point. I mean, you know, it's 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 like when you had um like when you had Tim Raines Jr. and Tim Raines Sr. Mm-hmm. on the Orioles roster. Tim Raines Sr. Jr. wasn't a Major League player. But sure. it was like, let's get him up on the roster and have it's him play with his fun. dad. I mean, and that's the only reason the Orioles even acquired Tim Raines Sr. at that point. So it, it is fun. It is fun. And and to get Ryan Ripken, because look, there's going to be a point where you don't have room on your roster for a player like Ryan Ripken. There's going to be a point. And, and right now, we might be at that point right now. But if it's ever going to happen, 
do it this year just to say, hey, Ryan Ripken played on the same major league team that his father did. I mean, that, that and you know, and his uncle. So yeah, that and, would be awesome. And for all intents and purposes, he he improved a lot in the offseason. He he worked exclusively with his father, from what I heard. Yep. And it sounds like his bat is not bad. I mean, it, yeah. you know, he's a he's a first baseman and can hit with a little bit of power. So yeah, well, know. we'll see. Maybe maybe he'll get some play, some run at some point this year. Now moving on to the Ironbirds roster, who are now high A. Uh, this is weird. This is it weird is because weird. because they were the short season low A affiliate of the Orioles since their inception, and a lot of these guys have already played for Aberdeen, yep. graduated to the next level, and now they're graduating to the next level, but they're going back to Aberdeen. Um, you're looking at Grayson Rodriguez, Blaine Knight, who a lot, nobody talks about Blaine Knight. He was a third round pick a couple of years ago, same round Arkansas same, uh, out of Arkansas. He pitched and won that first game of the College World Series against the Adley Rutschman led. Yep. Um, uh, Oklahoma, Oregon State team, um, and and he started out his career really strong. They promoted him, and then he got knocked around. That's why nobody talks yeah. about him. He's going to be in that rotation with Grayson Rodriguez, Drew Rom, Toby Welk. It, we, we we were talking about guys who started out at Aberdeen and now they're back. Toby Welk has the highest batting average in the history of the Aberdeen he Ironbirds. He tore it up. 344, and now he's back in Aberdeen. I don't think he's going to hit 344, but this is a guy that. People are also forgetting about because he was like a twenty-first round draft pick mm-hmm. uh, coming out of a out of a I say Division was, three school. It, it was some division of Penn State. I want to say, it was, but it, it was a Division three school, yeah. and he absolutely tore the cover off the ball. But it's like, all right, Division three. But then he comes up to, uh, and I interviewed him on my show a couple of years I did ago. Too, actually, he he comes up to um to to Aberdeen, tears the cover off the ball. He's got a cannon of an arm over there at third base. He can do a lot this year to put himself into the Orioles' future plans because they have a lot of shortstops, no real third baseman uh, right. it, it, coming up. So Toby Welk, somebody that we need to keep an eye on. Johnny Reiser, Zach Watson, uh, Adam Hall on the uh, Aberdeen Ironbirds roster. And then perhaps maybe the most exciting roster in the in the organization the Shorebirds, yeah, Delmarva Shorebirds. They're now the low A team. I think that they were always, they, yeah, they were always a low A team. But Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Anthony Cervadeo, Daryl Hernandez, and Hudson Haskin all in that lineup for the Shorebirds. That infield is crowded, man. Crowded yeah. with a lot of talent. You got to wonder um, where are these guys going to end? Like, how are they going to get all these guys on the field at the same time? Yeah, I mean, you're going to probably have to throw a guy in the outfield a little bit. Um, I, I think Jordan Westberg, I, I can almost see it as the Orioles want him. You know, they drafted him as a shortstop, but they want him to play third going forward. I think Jordan Westberg's going to see a lot of third base this year. You know, maybe fill in it short when Gunnar Henderson is is not able to play, you know, gets a night off, whatever. But Gunnar Henderson, to me, is the shortstop. You've got to bring him up as a shortstop. You've got to, you know, when he gets to the major leagues, I want him as my future shortstop. I think Jordan Westberg plays really well and profiles really well at third base. I'd put him there. Um, as far as Hernandez goes, I know he's more of, you know, he's more of a, a shortstop as well. But maybe second base is a good spot for him. But obviously, then you leave Anthony Servideo with no position. And maybe is it Servideo? I've always thought it was Servideo. I'm not. I think it's Servideo. That's always how I've said it. Um, but I he could see some time in the outfield. Maybe. I mean, I I don't know how. They, His glove's too good. Right. His, His glove is amazing. He he he's got an excellent glove at. 
shortstop and at second base, I think he's going to get a lot of run in the infield. Yeah, but the problem is is that throwing a guy like Gunnar Henderson or Jordan Westberg in the outfield when you feel like those are your two you know top infield prospects you have. Oh, those guys are playing shortstop they, and third base. They every have day. to. They have to. It seems right. like you can't throw them in the outfield. So maybe it's it's Hernandez who moves to the outfield a little bit. Um, plays out there. And then Hudson Haskin, who. Is a high pick for the Orioles in this last year's draft. I believe he was their second round pick. Second rounder. Second yep. round pick. He plays center field. Hits for average. Actually, no, third rounder. Sorry. Third hits, round. for, hits for average. Hits for power. Um, he kind of reminds me of Hunter, Hunter Pence with his wonky yeah. swing, but he's also fast. The Orioles have a crowded outfield uh, as, as it is. And if he emerges on the scene like a lot of uh, scouts think that he's going to, the Orioles are going to have a lot of questions, a lot of problems, mm-hmm. good problems. In a few years, uh, really interested to see how that plays out. A guy who I realized was missing, and maybe he, uh, maybe that when they had those, because you know, Paul told us that there was um, some omissions from the roster that's, that are going to be there. I didn't see Kyle Stowers' name anywhere. I did not either. Um, spent Aberdeen, you know, spent the whole 2019 campaign at Aberdeen after being drafted. I want to say fourth round or something pretty high. Um, I, or Zach Watson might have been the fourth rounder that year. It, he was a third round. Actually, third. I think he was a, he was a second round pick. He was pretty he was, high. He was yeah. the Orioles' third pick, but I think it was a second round yeah. pick. He he was pretty high. A lot of power, left-handed bat. Yeah. Um, plays a good right field. Um, I saw a lot of them. I, I I worked at Aberdeen for a little bit, so I've seen a lot of these lower level guys that were drafted in 2019. And Kyle Stowers, he could turn into someone who has a lot of power, hit a lot of home runs one day. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't know where he is, but like you said, could be a, a late ad. Yeah, and we got to get Rich Dubroff on the yep. line now. It's about that time. But yeah, the, the Orioles they have a lot of good players that we forgot about. Because there was no 2020 minor league season, uh, guys like Toby Welk and Kyle Stowers and Johnny Reiser and um, does uh, Kaden Grenier, Adam Hall. I think Adam Hall has a potential to be like a Brian Roberts type of player. Um, once he realizes his potential, he's played very well. He's he, he's shifty. He doesn't hit for a ton of power. But he gets on base and he steals a lot of bases and he plays solid defense at second base and at shortstop. So I'm really interested to see how Adam Hall uh, performs this season. I'm just really interested in general to see how the Orioles minor league season goes. I'm really excited for the season to get started at all affiliates on Tuesday. Joining us now on the line here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio from BaltimoreBaseball.com, we have Rich Dubrov. Rich, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you for joining our program again. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, starting out, Michael Franco. He didn't play last night with lower backs during the season. He's leading the Orioles in RBIs. Brandon Hudson was looking to get him a day off anyway. Is there anything more to this? He's been a pleasant surprise, especially defensively. Not that I know. Uh, I just know that uh, after I've taken a six-hour flight uh, to the West Coast, which hasn't happened in a couple of years, uh, my back's a little stiff too, so I can uh, I can cer- I can certainly understand that. Yeah, and, uh, Michael Franco, man, I I, I was happy to see him because I wanted to see somebody else other than Rio Ruiz get the chance at third base, and he's been been as advertised offensively and even better than I thought he would be defensively. What have you seen from Michael Franco, and how do you feel about his addition to this ball club? Well, you know, he had a he had a he had a, a slow start because. You know, I think he needed uh, more than ten days of spring training. Right. Uh, actually, I don't, don't don't even think he got ten days of spring training. Uh, but I mean, he needed more. You know, he needed more time. I think that uh, his defense has been, you know, at times really great. I mean, he's made some really wonderful plays. That double play the other day was terrific. But then there have been some other plays 
that I've been less than enamored with. There was a, a pop foul uh, the other night in the wind that he came towards home plate uh, for, and he didn't get it. And probably Severino should have gotten it, but still, uh, you know, he, you know, he's he's given the team some pop. There's no speed there. I mean, I think he's been, you know, okay. Uh, I mean, you said as advertised. Well, okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, he's he's maybe the average isn't there and the power is not there yet as much, but he is driving in runs when he gets the opportunities. And I think that's really all you can ask for at this point. Now, Rich, the Orioles have won four or six after defeating the Athletics last night, three to two. Cesar Valdez was shaky for the second straight game. Is your confidence in him wavering, or is this just part of the deal? Well, I, I think that Brandon Hyde is was going to go with him until the magic was gone. You know, I, I think that, you know, absent Hunter Harvey, and I'm, I'm a little surprised that Tanner Scott hasn't gotten a chance to close, but I, I think that um, they were trying to get away with the fooling people with something they hadn't seen uh, as long as they can. And I think that's going to be the case with, uh, you know, with Valdez. Uh, he's certainly not a long-term, uh, a long-term closer, uh, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, and, and because the club's a little better, they're in more games and he's got, uh, he's gotten more regular work. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago when they were really awful, uh, you know, closer doesn't, closer didn't get Mike was Michael Gibbons at first. He didn't get very much work. Uh, and, and it's hard when a team's not very good to get regular work. So I, I would just say, you know, whatever you're getting, for uh, from Valdez, be uh, be thankful for, because uh, you know it was a low, um, you know it, it was a uh, a very low grade investment. Well, absolutely, uh, you know you're not spending a lot of money or, or time in him, and he's been much much better than uh, anyone could have expected. Yeah, and the bullpen as a whole, even though they were a top ten unit, they've been much better than anybody expected. They're the fifth best bullpen in baseball right now. Their last thirteen games, they've uh, converted four or five saves, a one forty nine ERA, one sixty three batting average against. How good has has this Orioles bullpen been, even without Hunter Harvey? And is this sustainable? No, it's not sustainable. Um, because they need, you know, they need to get more. They need to get more innings from starters. They, you know, uh, they're not going to be a lot of seven inning starts like you saw last night from John Means. Right. But I think that you need more six inning starts or even five inning starts. You know, there have been too many times when because uh, their average, I think, uh, is just under five innings per start, and that's you know you, you need to get a little over that. Because you can't have a, a bullpen covering, you know, four innings every night. And fortunately, you know, they have nine relievers and they've been able to juggle things. Uh, but I don't know, you know, they, they can't keep doing, you know, this much. Eventually, people will catch up to you. Eventually, people will catch up to Valdez. Mm-hmm. It's only the great, great relievers that, you know, you don't catch up with. And they don't have any, you know, great, great relievers. But, you know, the bullpen has been really good. And, uh, you know, overall, in April, the record's a little better than, you know, most people would have thought. Well, yeah, and you uh, you mentioned the starting pitchers. Outside of John Means and even even uh, Matt Harvey at times, you look at a guy like Jorge Lopez and a guy like Dean Kramer, they're not giving you length. 
That you can't trust Jorge Lopez to get out of the fifth inning without damage. You can't trust Dean Kramer to even get to the fifth inning. Uh, how long of a leash do you have with a guy like Jorge Lopez, who may be better suited for long relief coming out of that bullpen? Uh, how much longer till somebody like Zach Louther takes over for him? Or or Keegan Aiken? Right. Um, yeah. No, I don't think that. I don't think that that much longer. But it's it's sort of if Keegan Aiken had had a better spring training. He would have been starting instead of uh, you know in, instead of Lopez, but I think that they just didn't have you know they just didn't have anything better they felt at the time, and the problem with going with young players and and every uh, young pitchers and every you know all the fans want to see all the young pitchers, but this is what's going to happen. You have to be very very patient with them. You're going to have to be patient with Bruce Zimmerman. And Zach Louther and uh, you know and, and Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be difficult just because you have to sort of um, you know take your lumps. Now sometimes you know you you get somebody like John Means who comes to the big leagues and he's you know a sort of finished product, and uh, you know and he he doesn't have you know, the growing pains that these other guys do. But it, it's more likely that you're going to get, um, you know, you're going to get these stumbles. But people have to be, you know, people have to be patient. Uh, they can't just say, oh, well, we've seen enough of, uh, you know, we've seen enough of Kramer. Now let's try Lauther. You know, I mean, you have to give people, you have to do what they've done with the outfielders, which is give them extended playing time to see who can play and, and who can't. So you mentioned Keegan Aiken, and we had heard that he should have made that start that way LeBlanc ended up making that spot start. They probably would have promoted him, but he actually cut his hand uh, making breakfast with a knife. So do you have any updates on Keegan Aiken? Is he back pitching at the alternate site, or is he... Well, they're, you know, gone, from, they're gone from the alternate site. Um, they're now in, Nor- you know, they're now, sure, you know yeah, in yeah. Norfolk getting ready for the uh, season opener. Uh, I, think it's in Gwinnett. I think it's in Gwinnett. I'll have to... You know, I'll have to look up, but that's Tuesday. But um, I think that you know Aiken will be up at, at some point. You know, at some point in the season. Uh, you know, he if he's missing a week or ten days, he's got to. Uh, you know, he's got to get it. You know, he's got to get it back. So I would say that if they needed a starter, it would be Louther first, and then uh, you know, and then Aiken second for now. Uh, later on, you know, it may be, you know, may be different. And we may, you know, we may get to the point where we see both of them in the starting rotation this year. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of prospects graduate to the major league level, especially the second half of this year and especially in that starting rotation. If they happen to trade a guy like Matt Harvey, for example. Now, Rich, on the offensive side of things, the Orioles have a black hole at second base. They've gotten little to no production there. Ruiz and Urias are batting a, a buck fifty-four. Vallecas hitting 087. How much longer until the Orioles say this is unacceptable and they have to call somebody up? Well, I think they want to. I think the problem is they want to see how they play in the minor leagues. You know, they, they'd like to see Richie Martin and and Jemai Jones play together right. in in the minor leagues. You know, not having. Uh, you know, this first month of the season, I, I think really hurt them a lot. Um, because I thought, I think that, you know, you could have seen them, you know, play and, and, and evaluate them. So I think, you know, Jones will eventually get his chance or maybe it'll be, you know, 
Maybe it'll be Richie Martin. But you know what they've what they've had so far, as you say, really hasn't uh, really hasn't been very good. I mean, Pat Valeka, who had a lot of punch last year, has uh, has shown very little. Uh, and I think that you know they're going to have to you know they're going to have to try and get better there. And I think Jones or Martin would be uh, you know would be the guy. They thought that once they moved off from uh, Hanser Alberto, that Yomer Sanchez would have been the uh you know would, would have been the guy at second and and you know his his bat wouldn't have been very good but his glove was supposed to be good but that didn't turn out to be the case he apparently has regressed uh you know markedly from 2019 when he won the AL gold glove so that uh that move hasn't worked you know that move hasn't worked out well for them yeah they they, they they're getting nothing out of second base right now. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the season, second, maybe even third months. But I can't, I can't imagine that they would stick with what's going on right now uh, much longer. Now, guys who are heading the opposite direction right now, Trey Mancini, he's begun to get his season back on track. Does he look more to you like his 2019 version over the last few games? Sure, and I think that, uh, I, and I think that what happened was unfortunately pretty predictable because. You know he he works incredibly hard and he was in good shape, but he he didn't play for a year, you know, and uh, you know the skill the skills take a, a bit to come back, and you know the first few weeks of spring training, uh, you know he didn't play you know he didn't play very much. They just wanted to make sure his he was healthy and his, his stamina was there. And spring training is not necessarily uh, a good gauge, right? And then during the uh, during the season, you know, when the season started, there was so much uh, hubbub about his, uh, you know, his comeback, and it should be because he is it is remarkable and it's wonderful. Uh, but he very quickly knew that he wasn't hitting up to his standards, and he was he was very frustrated outwardly, and now he's you know now he's hitting well, and you know he's the player that uh, that that we thought he always was, but he wasn't in, in 2019. Yeah. And th- those numbers are going to be back up, uh, but I, I'm, but in the next two to three weeks, his number is going to be back up where we expect them to be. Another guy who had a terrible April, Ryan Mountcastle. He's quietly put together a five-game hitting streak and an eight-game on-base streak. Are you seeing that he's starting to get out of this funk, or do you need to see a little bit more before you're saying, okay, he's beyond that, that, that one for 25 slump that he was in? No, I mean, he needs to, you know, he needs to show more. He hasn't, you know, hasn't shown much power. Yeah, that's you know? true. Uh, so I think that, you know, I think you need to see that. You need to see the discipline, which I think is, uh, you know, which I think is getting there. Uh, and again, you know, people, fans expect, well, you know, he hit 333 last year, five homers, 23 RBIs. He's going to, you know he's going to do the same this year, but he's starting from zero, and you know, and pitchers have seen him, or pitchers have seen tape of him, so uh, that's going to be uh, that, that's going to be not so easy, and it's very very common that guys uh, stumble uh, in their se- you know in their second time around. So I think that you know I think Ryan Mountcastle will be fine, uh, but this may not be you know it may not be. Uh, you know, a linear move up here. 
Yeah, and you know the, the the term sophomore slump is around for a reason because it's something that is want to happen um, to especially to some of the, some of these top prospects who there's now tape on them. You, you hope to see Mountcastle have a little bit better of an approach because it seems like pitchers have realized we don't need to throw this guy strikes to get him out. No, and he you know and he he wasn't showing the the discipline that he showed last year. When the uh, couple of things were very impressive about him last year. Uh, was, you know, he showed better discipline than he had in the minor leagues. And he showed off some nice speed. Uh, and then this year, you know, he started off when, when he was playing left field. Uh, things weren't going real well for him. And then fortunately, Austin Hayes is back. So he doesn't have to play, you know, he doesn't have to play left. And I think he's better off as a first base DH type. Yeah. And I, and I, I think I, that helps us hit it. And I think that helps us hit him too. I think it does too. It takes a little bit of pressure off. You don't have to take your offensive when you're DHing. You don't have to take your offensive slumps into the field and vice versa. Um, so I, I do like the fact that, that they're giving Trey some more breathers and letting him DH and putting Mountcastle at first base a little bit more often than they were. Uh, Chance Cisco, Rich, uh, it's not been good, and, and it hasn't been good since he's gotten to the major league level. A career 300 hitter at the minor league level it hasn't translated to the big leagues. They're, n- they're getting nothing out of him offensively. His defense is mediocre at best, but they don't really have anybody to replace him at the uh, minor league level. What are they going to do about Chance Cisco? Is there somebody they could bring up um, that could fill in the role? Because we know, we know it's not going to be Adley Rutschman, at least not anytime soon. No, well, it certainly could be Austin wins. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of fans, uh, they have this, uh, you know, they, they have this uh, mistaken belief that uh, Cisco has not been given enough opportunities to play. Uh, you know, Cisco has, you know, close to 480 uh, major league at-bats, which is well over uh, a, a full season for a, uh, you know, for a catcher. And, mm-hmm. you know, his batting average, his lifetime batting average uh, before yesterday was uh, 203. Yeah. And he does, you know, he does get on base. He does walk, though not this year. And he has gotten many, many more opportunities. Despite what a lot of people think, he's gotten many, many more opportunities to play than, let's say, Austin Wins. Austin Wins came, I think, in the same draft, but he was a 10th round pick. And Cisco is a second round pick. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Cisco's going to get more, is going to get lots and lots of chances. Uh, just like DJ Stewart has gotten lots of chances because he was a high round pick. It doesn't matter that they weren't Mike Elias's picks uh, because the organization has invested so much time and so much money in these players, they are going to get every opportunity. But the problem with the Orioles is, and it's not really of their, of their making is that, you know, the, over the winter, the the free agent catching market was not terribly strong. And if you're going to sign somebody to come in, well, it's not an attract, while it may be attractive for pitchers or for infielders, because they know they have the opportunity to play for a catcher coming in, Knowing that Adley Rutschman is uh, is near, it's not a great opportunity, and a lot of veteran catchers don't necessarily want to be a caddy, you know, uh, play once a week uh, later on when a uh, you know when a hot prospect takes over. So 
they, they really were they really didn't have a lot of choices uh in the off season. Well it, and Yeah, you know, and, and now uh, there's a guy out there who was uh, DFA'd by the Angels in Jonathan Lucroy who was hitting no look, it was five for fourteen, but he was hitting three fifty seven. He's a veteran catcher who's who's for all intents and purposes strong defensively and he's always had a, a, a solid bat. How have the Orioles inquired with him at all? Is there any opportunity to to bring him in, or is he somebody who wants to have a an everyday job at this point in his career? Yeah, I don't know. I I think he would be just. Kind of, but the problem is, um, you know, I don't know that his defense was you know all the you know his defense was all that strong. He's gotten DFA then twice this year. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was with you know he was with the Nationals and there there hasn't been a huge you know there hasn't been a huge market for him. That's true. So there's probably you know there's probably a reason for that. Now you uh, mentioned you mentioned. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, I mean, uh, I you know I haven't real I haven't seen him play, you know, in a, in a couple of years. So I don't know you know I don't know uh, you know how his de- you know how his defense is. What they want now is that you know. Yes, the offense isn't the offense isn't great, but they want a good defensive catcher. That you know, Luke Croy is a nice name who's had a nice career, but uh, you know, as long as they have a good defensive catcher, I think that that they you know I think they can live with that, and it doesn't seem like they're you know they're really getting that right now. Now I kind of want to talk about a guy who's struggling a little bit. And that's DJ Stewart. We know, you know, his his average is down below 200 now. His on base percentage is 292, which is fine, but it should be better, especially for DJ Stewart. Um, and, and you know, Anthony Santander is probably on the way back. If you can give me kind of a timetable on how far Anthony Santander is a you know is away from coming back, and then what happens to DJ Stewart? Does he kind of lose his starting role once Santander comes back? Well, you know, you never. I I don't like to predict stuff. In you know several weeks out mm-hmm. because you know Santander you know he's been out now uh, almost you know he's been out what ten days I think and uh, Brandon Hyde had said it, when it happened they said it was going to be two to four weeks and Hyde said the other day that he thought it was going to be closer to the four weeks and then so that's you know at least two that's at least two weeks away a lot can happen. Because you know Austin Hayes came, Austin Hayes came back. Then they uh, then they sent down McKenna, uh, and then Santander goes down, and then all of a sudden a day later McKenna is back. And then when Galvis got hurt, they needed an infielder, so McKenna goes down. You don't, you can't handicap um, these you know these moves very easily because you know everybody assumes that no one's going to get injured in the interim. You know, uh, somebody else could, you know, somebody else could get injured and, uh, you know, and, and force another move here. Sure. So I, I you know, it, it's important, but it's important for DJ Stewart to play well in 2021, because this is his, you know, this is his opportunity to, uh, you know, to show the Orioles and, and other major league teams that he, uh, you know, that he can play because, you know, they're not they're they're not going to be able to keep all these outfielders, yeah. uh, especially because they'll want to give you Snell Diaz a uh, you know an opportunity, and you know and, and you're not always pl- you're not just playing for your team. You're playing, you know, for every team in the major leagues to show them what you can do, so that your trade value is high, and that other and so other teams will want you. Now, 
if DJ Stewart was available, I'm sure that there would be a lot of teams that want him because he has, you know, he has on base ability. He has some good, you know, he has some good power. And yes, he was a, a first round draft pick, and that, you know, and, and that's important. Uh, you know, a lot of general managers and Dan Duquette and Mike Elias are, are the same in this. They really uh, paid a lot of attention to former first round draft choices who were available. Uh, because, you know, Elias was a scout and, and Duquette years ago was a scout, but they valued the opinion of other people who took these players in, in, in the first round. So that's very, very important. Yeah, I think some one of these outfielders is getting traded at some, at some sure. point this year. They, ha- they have a lot of guys in this system that play their solid outfielders. I think somebody at the major league level is getting traded before it's all said and done this year. Another outfielder uh, is Heston Kerstad, Rich. And, uh, he, he reported to the alternate training site about a week, week and a half ago. Uh, it seems like the Orioles are kind of keeping him a little bit unaccessible as he ramps up for his first professional season. Do you have any updates whatsoever on Heston Kerstad? No. You know, we were, we were promised that you know, we were going to talk to him in February and we're still waiting. Wow. Uh, I would love to, but you know, I'd love to find out more. I just know that they're, they're going to be very cautious because this was a serious, uh, you know, this was a serious illness and we don't know that much about, you know, we don't know that much about it. Uh, so I, you know, I, I can't give you, you know, I can't give you a timetable. I don't know if he's going to play this year. I would think that, you know, if he played, it wouldn't be, you know, until at least June. Yeah, it doesn't uh, seem like it. Because, you know, because, because you know, in the normal minor leagues, it's, uh, you know, you get a four, you know, you get a four week spring training. And I would think that because he hasn't played and because he was ill, you know, he'd need at least two, you know, at least two months and maybe longer before we, uh, you know, we see him and, and, you know, where will, you know, where would he go? I mean, would he go to one of the Gulf Coast teams? Would he, uh, which I, I think obviously he would start, you know, he would start there, but, uh, you know, and and then they and they want to see him play because, you know, he's uh, you know they've invested you know, they've invested a lot in him. He was the second overall pick, so this is somebody that uh, is is going to be treated very very carefully, and they're going to try and give him the uh, the best uh, the best chances to uh, to succeed. But you know, w- when you're dealing with a non sports related illness or injury. Uh, you know, there's, there's no necessarily, you know, no necessarily, not necessarily a time period, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, missed 2020 with, um, you know, with mitocarditis and, uh, you know, and, but he, you know, he's back now and, you know, but we don't know with, uh, with Kerstad what's uh, what's going to happen, and, and it would be pretty foolish for me to uh, speculate here. Well, yeah, it would be foolish for anybody to speculate, especially with something, like you said, as serious as myocarditis is one of those things where we know very little, and I think the Orioles want to keep it that way. So we'll, every, it, it's a wait-and-see approach with Heston Kerstad for sure. Now, Rich, before we let you go, we do a little segment here on the Batteron that we call Take to Rake, and the rules are very simple. Uh, each one of the three of us picks a player that we think is going to have the best offensive week for the Orioles. Um, last week, I picked Austin Hayes. Zach took Trey Mancini, and our guest Eric Arditi took Ryan Mountcastle. Nobody won because Austin Hayes and Trey Mancini each had uh, pretty outstanding weeks. There was no one; neither one of them were better than the other. Uh, with that in mind, since I gave Zach the first pick last week, even though we tied last week, I'm going to pick first today, and I'm for the third time. 
I'm going to take Ryan Mountcastle. I think he's coming out of the slump. He had two hits last night, five-game hitting streak. I think Ryan Mountcastle is going to have a big week and hit a home run or two uh, for the uh, for the Orioles. Rich, since you were the guest, I'm going to let you go ahead and pick second. Okay, I'll pick Austin Hayes because I, at the beginning of the year, I thought that he was going to have the best all-around season, not knowing that Cedric uh, Mullins was going to be as good as he was. So I'll, I'll take Austin Hayes. I'm going to go back to what won me uh, my only win of the year. I'm going to go to back to Cedric Mullins. That's been my third pick now, Cedric Mullins. But, you know, he does well for me. So back uh, to Cedric. Cedric Mullins has more hits than anybody in the major leagues and more hits than anybody by a wide margin against left-handed pitching. So it's a, it's a solid choice. Rich, thanks so much for indulging us with Take the Reagan. Thanks for joining the program. Hope to talk to you again soon. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Paul. Thank you, Zach. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Paul. That was Rich Dubroff joining us in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Well, not in the studio, but on the line. Uh, and just want to remind you that every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Orioles pitcher Zach Lowther, Maryland lacrosse coach John Tillman, Ravens running back Gus Edwards, and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Make the most out of every day at a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We're going to get a break. We'll be back with the final segment of our show. Hey, this is your guy, Chris Rulin from Grade 8's Memorabilia, coming to you to talk about Baltimore Celeb Fest. 50 wrestlers at Benfield Sports Center on Saturday, May 15th from 11 till 3. We will be there with the Grade 8 stable with the Murder Hawk Monster, Lance Archer, the Machine, Brian Cage, the beautiful people, Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, Matt Seidel, Flip Gordon, Tessa Blanchard, Diamante. You can meet all eight of them for only 200 bucks. All the details at Grade8'sMemorabilia.com. It's Grade8'sMemorabilia.com. Also, we have great private signings coming up with John Harbaugh, Anquan Bolden, Jonathan Ogden, and more. That's GreatAidsMemorabilia.com. Remember, be great. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the car of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks, and if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. We got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter and an over-the-ear faded distress state flag and traditional colors mask. They're available. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Let's get this over with. Wear our masks. Home team masks. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. 
At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis' career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Love that Glenn Glenn Clark radio intro music, as always. Some of my favorite music out there right now. Well, it wouldn't be a batter on episode if we didn't mention the Glenn Clark radio music. Yeah, which we haven't recently. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt has taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career, and Bo Smoka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class and their second seasons. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles. Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Man, we have a lot of live reads. I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning up my, my we're, live we're getting, reads. We're getting more and more. I'm cleaning up my live reads over here, and I got like a stack of papers, man. It's, it's, I, I, I just need a folder. Glenn has a folder with, with his in here. I should just read. I should just make a folder, save some trees. Um, yeah, so we, we, I, was telling, I was telling Zach, we cut, we cut Take to Rake a little bit short um, just because of the fact that uh, – some some of our like Rich Dubroff, he's a busy man. Yeah. Uh, seems like so he, he's he's a no nonsense kind of guy, which is not a knock on him whatsoever. We don't want to bother him with our game. Yeah, we don't want to bother him <laughs> a, a guy like Rich Dubroff with our game. Um, but I, he he was he was a, a good sport about it, and, yep. he, and he indulged us, like I said. So uh, the reason that there was no winner last week was because Trey Mancini went eight for twenty six. Which is a 308 batting average with a 379 on base percentage. And Austin Hayes went 7 for 24, which is a 292 batting average with a 370 on base percentage. Hayes had more home runs yep. and RBI. They had the same amount of RBIs. Trey walked more. No, no, actually, Hayes walked more. Trey walked one more time. One more time. One more time. 
Hayes scored more runs, but they had they Four had more. almost almost identical weeks. They were yeah. each huge catapults for this team in winning four of six. So it's like they both did kind of different things, and that that ended up being kind of a tie. And, and, no one won this week for and, sure. And, and if Austin Hayes got two more bats, who's to say that he wouldn't have gone one for two in those at bats? Had the same batting average. Sure, they they had identical weeks. And it's crazy because last week we had our first tie ever because both of our picks sucked, right? <laughs> so then uh, so then this week, and I even said to him at the end of the show, next week Hayes and Mancini could each bat 340 with three home runs and then they tie. And then sure enough, they have identical weeks and they tie this week. So that's why there was no winner. So right now I still have two wins. Zach has one win and there are two ties still yep. waiting for our first guest victory. In take to rake. I think uh, Austin Hayes was a solid pick by Rich, so you never know. Could be that. He, he's on fire right now, and the Orioles are best when, when uh, Austin Hayes and Trey Mantini are playing well. Uh, and, and Mountcastle was a solid pick by yeah. Eric Lass. Mm-hmm. Look, people aren't talking about it because he's, he's getting going. But he's getting going. Six for 22 last week. He had a 272 on a batting average, and he is uh, he had, he's in the middle of a five game hitting streak. Has Two it? hits last night. And again, like Rich said, the power hasn't been there. Right. But it's going to come, especially yeah. if the weather warms up. Yeah, and he hasn't chased a whole lot. You know, that's kind of the thing with Mount. Recently. He, recently, sure. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Over that week where he went 6-for-22, I didn't see a lot of swinging it to balls two feet above the zone. I mean, he looks like he's kind of calmer in the box and went opposite field with a few of his hits, which is always good to see. So, yeah, I, I think he's he's swinging it back. He's coming back. Yeah, I, I think I think you're going to see a lot better from Ryan Mountcastle as the uh, as the season progresses, and we may have started to see that slowly but surely here in the last week. Absolutely. Now, before we go, Ravens draft. Yes, they took uh, Rashad Bateman with the 27th overall pick, and then they took um, Odafe. Odafe away. Away. Odafe away. Uh, with the he went Jason away, but he said now that he's a professional, he's going by it. his given name. They're going to have to learn. They're going to have to learn his name. Which Odafe. That's not hard to say. No, Oda, Odafe really, away. It's really not. It, it really sounds. Not. If, if Odafe away. It it, yeah. it flows. Um, thoughts on the picks. I, I think that Bateman was the home run. Yes. That was the pick that everybody wanted. That was the guy who got who fell to the Ravens. He's a true number one for all intents and purposes. I temper my enthusiasm. When it comes to wide receivers, because I've been burned time. We all have. The I mean, Ravens, we all know about Ravens wide receiver development. It's not good. Yeah, they, they, they took Travis Taylor in the first round. Terrible. They took Mark Clayton in the first round. Not terrible, but he, not He was uh, fine. He was fine, but he wasn't He wasn't a number one. He was never yeah. a number one. He's a role player, which is not what you want with a first right. round draft pick. Uh, when they took him and he was only five foot nine, I, I, I was like, what are we doing? And then they take Hollywood Brown, who was... Only five foot nine, and we're five foot ten, and I'm like, what are we doing? But everybody's like, no, Hollywood's a, a I mean, slam dunk. I think you skipped over the best one of them all, Brashad Perriman. I mean, best best receiver in Ravens history. So yeah, Brashad yeah. Perriman. <laughs> the Ravens have, have developed one legitimate wide receiver, and that was Torrey Smith, yeah. and he was only legitimate in Baltimore. And, and I love Torrey right. Smith, great human being, a quality quality person yes. all the way around. And look, he wasn't a bad football player outside of Baltimore. He just never put up the numbers that the contract that he signed in San Francisco would suggest that he would put up. But he won a Super Bowl in Baltimore, yep. won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia, and got and had was on some good teams out there in San Francisco and in and in Carolina for that matter. 
Um, so he went to the Panthers for a season. You looked confused when I said that. No, I'm looking around. I, I heard a weird noise in my headphones. I don't know if it was only me. No, he did. He was with the Eagles, with the Panthers, um, you know, with the 49ers for a little bit. He, he made his way around. Yeah, and um, he, you know, he's still young. I think he's like 31 years yeah, old. Yeah, he, he's living in Baltimore now, I think, helping out Brandon Scott a little bit, Baltimore mayor. So Yeah, yeah he do, does around. a lot for the community. does a lot for the community. But anyway, so they take Rashad Bateman. That's the, that's the slam dunk, the home run pick. You expect him to be a number one and get significant playing time to start the year. Oh, wait. That was one, no sacks last year. Right. Physical specimen. He, uh, he's 6'5", 235 pounds or yeah, something like that. Yeah, r- around a 4'3", 640, which right. is just mind-boggling. That's faster than Rashad Bateman. He ran like a 4'4", 1. Yeah, th- th- this guy's stupid athletic. Yeah. No sacks last year, but he does get to the quarterback, just doesn't have the sack numbers to back it up. Right. If you're going to go anywhere to be a work in progress, Baltimore's the place to go. Yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens have great edge rusher development we talked about the wide receiver that that's where they've always fallen a little bit short but the edge rushers you know there's been guys who have been here like tim williams and tyus bowser and i you know he just got re-signed to a big deal but he's never really become the the great player we thought he would be guys that were drafted early and just haven't really developed but obviously they developed terrell suggs you know they developed matthew judon zadarius smith there are guys that have come through here that have become very very good edge rushers that weren't necessarily the best edge rushers coming out of college. Now, Terrell Suggs at the time held the the all-time college sack record, so I guess I shouldn't say that. But you look at guys like a like an OA who you said he had no sacks, but he's more of a disruptive guy, athletic specimen, a guy who they can kind of teach and work into making, you know, having those sacks eventually. Um, you know, Penn State's a big program. He didn't start playing uh, football until like five years ago as a basketball player before that. So he's going to have some seasoning to do. But Rashad Bateman, that's the home run pick. That's the guy. Minnesota receivers always work out pretty well. Um, and, you know, it, that's that was the guy I wanted all along. And away is just gonna be more of a project. That was the guy that everybody wanted. And yes. T- Terrace Marshall kind of fell off. Fell off. Yeah, the map. a little bit of injury concerns for Marshall. Went to the uh, I want to say the Panthers last uh, night. See, pretty, I, pretty I was early. working. I knew that I wasn't paying attention because I knew the Ravens weren't gonna pick till almost the end of the yes. night. Um, away, he had ten quarterback hurries in the first game yeah. of the year last year. So he gets to the quarterback. He in, just in had, one game, ten. Yeah, wow. in, in ten. But then he, I think he only had ten the rest of the year. Okay. But um. But, yeah, he gets to the quarterback. It's just a matter of taking him down. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he will not end the 2021 NFL season with zero sacks. Yeah, I doubt that. I mean, he's going to have time to play. You know, they, yeah. may, they may bring in Justin Houston, but outside I of that— I think they're bringing in Justin Houston. They, they almost have to. Yeah. Um, but you've got guys like Pernell McPhee. Yeah, he's kind of old. He's going to play a little bit. Jalen Ferguson, I don't know if he's going to make this team. You know, I, I don't know if he is. And it's he, up to him. He has to have a big training camp. And he broke Terrell Suggs' all-time sack record in college. He's, you know, nicknamed Sack Daddy coming out of college. So it just— shows you that sack production in college doesn't always translate to the NFL. So it could be the other way around for a guy like away. Yeah, and that, I think that's what the Ravens are hoping for. Now with their uh, third round pick, the 94th pick overall, they took Georgia guard Ben Cleveland. Yep. Um, they said that this guy's built like the mountain. He's he, huge. He is massive. He is a massive, massive guy. He's he he's strong. He he, he pushes the pile. This is a, a guy that, uh, do you expect him to start Day one? Yeah, I mean, I think Harbaugh said last night he's going to compete with Ben Powers and uh, Ben Bredesen, who they took in the fourth round last year. So three Bens going at it for that left guard spot. Sounds like Bradley Bozeman moves to center. But, yeah, I, I think a third-round selection. They John Harbaugh apparently loves this guy. I think he's probably going to have the inside track. So does this mean Alejandro Villanueva is getting signed after tomorrow? I would think it's either him or Dennis Kelly for right tackle um, because Tyree Phillips, I can't trust him to play right tackle on this team. They, they're, they're seeking a Super Bowl. Tyree Phillips is not your starter right tackle. It's got to be Villanueva or Dennis Kelly. 
Uh, and then Ravens with the 104th pick in the 2021 draft, they take SMU cornerback Brandon Stevens. Uh, a lot of people think this was a reach. I don't know much about him. They said that he could move to safety, which would make it a better-looking pick. He's going to be a special teams ace from what I hear. Your thoughts on the Brandon Stevens pick? Yeah, I don't know much about this guy, to be honest. Um, a guy who sounds very athletic, you know, can kind of play a safety corner hybrid role a little bit. Was a running back who transferred from UCLA. So he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's had very limited exposure at corner. Only had one interception his whole college career. So he's going to, again, it's going to be a guy who needs a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of, you know, he might get a lot of special teams work. But, you know, the, the Ravens' corners, as good as they are, you've got guys like Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young. A lot of them are injury prone. Jimmy yeah. Smith has not played many full 16 game seasons, now 17 games. Um, and Tavon Young has been out for basically the past two years. So you need depth like that. So I, I don't mind the pick at all. Yeah. And if you're getting drafted in the third round, as a corner, you can play. Exactly. You, you can exactly. play. And, and I would love... I really wanted the Ravens at some point to take a safety, and they still they still may. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that they still have Geno, Geno Stone in the organization. Mm-hmm. I like... Um, I like who they have, Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott, but they didn't. I don't think they had a single interception between uh, the two uh, of them last Clark year. Clark did have one in the very final game. Um, he, okay. he had one on oh, the sideline. Oh, that's side right. Line. That's yeah. right. He did. He did. But you need you need more turnovers. You have smart physical players, but you need to force more turnovers. Exactly. We're never going to have another Ed Reed. No. But but I, I I love the safety position. I would love to see them pick up a solid safety. Um, if it wasn't, I, I was hoping that maybe. With their second first round pick, they would pick up the uh, the, the TCU guy Trayvon Merrick, yeah, yeah Merrick, but uh, it didn't happen. But that's okay, that's okay. Maybe this guy can this guy um, Stevens can transition yeah, to safety know. if he's if he's a running back. You know he's a he's a strong physical guy, right? L- uh, looks for contact. Yeah. Eric DaCosta said that last night. So yeah, they they I'm sure they took that within mind him possibly becoming a safety. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, guys, that's gonna do it for us here on the bat around with a little bit of a Ravens talk to end the show. Great show as always. That great job today. Really hitting the stride as the producer. You did a great job Appreciate today. It. Um, that's going to do it for us here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I know that uh, Governor Hogan lifted the uh, mask mandate for outdoor activities, uh, but still wear your mask when you're indoors, when you're around other people, if you're vaccinated and they aren't, or vice versa. Um, stay, stay healthy, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week on The Bat Around. See ya.